Episode 22 of the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast is with a great friend of mine, somebody I've been friends with for many, many, many years, well over a decade. Uh, we're knocking on the door of knowing each other for 20 years. Paul Weidman from Bare Knuckle Machining, Bare Knuckle Products, Bare Knuckle Choppers. That's when I and Paul first became friends back in the old chopper days when uh, he and I were just young pups running around Daytona and Sturgis trying not to get in trouble. So Paul and I go way back and we go through all that and talk about a, a bunch more stuff. We talk about kind of his product line and how it's evolved over the last 18 years and where he thinks it's going to go over the next 18 years and where we're at today and what kind of events we're going to go to. We both have seen a resurgence of uh, attendance at the events around the country and Paul's hopefully going to attend some of those this year too. I know he's going back to Sturgis. One of the things that we did talk about, we got into talking about our dads and you'll notice at the very end, it just cuts off abruptly. That was because Paul's iPad ran out of juice. So we'll have to revisit this podcast at another time too, but we go almost two hours. So kick back, enjoy. And uh, it's episode 22 of the Hell on Wheels Garage Bill podcast. Yeah, we're just like no, we're already we're already in. We're just gonna. It's just cool. gonna be. Uh, so yeah, like I was listening to uh, Steve from Speed Kings. I was listening to his. Um, right. His is pretty good. Um, and then Jeff's got his going out. Of course, I listened to Jace's. Um, that guy, Rob Boyce, he was in Tennessee with us. He just started one. I was his first one. He's not advertising it a whole lot yet. I think he's just putting it out there, and then he's going to start advertising after a few more are out. Right. But, dude, it's cool just listening to all of them. Um, the motorcycle, the the Discovery build-off, the motorcycle manias, all that. Like, yeah, some of it's just kind of bullshit made-for-TV stuff. And sometimes it's just you and me bullshit. Like, one of the ones I listened to in the last couple of days was Jeff and Steve from Speed King talking, Speed Kings. And they're just talking about tattoos and stuff, and it's like, it's not directly motorcycle-related, but it's our lifestyle-related, I guess. But, you know, just like with those old tv shows you can even just when anybody's talking about bike stuff you're gonna either learn something about a motorcycle you didn't know right something about the industry you didn't know something about an innovator or some shop that you didn't know you're gonna know you know what kind of uh ideas work here what doesn't work there you know you always pick up something so it's at least interesting i mean it's just you know what it is man like this is where we live in now right where you can just tailor you can tailor your entire entertainment you you know every you can ta- tailor your intake to exactly what you want yeah you can create an echo you know? chamber you've got to be careful because sometimes that information yeah. is jaded but you know we are in you and i are both in uh an industry that um you ever heard the uh the old saying that you know winners write history you know whoever yeah. won the oh, battle yeah. wrote the history right so right yeah. we're, we're both in an we're, you and i are both in an industry that we both have put a lot of blood sweat and tears into um in very different yeah. directions but uh, they complement each other very well, but our our industry was documented 
like Indians document Native Americans documented their history. Um, yeah. In that it's all stories and anecdotes and, you know, you met somebody, yeah. you, you, you meet, you've done it. I've done it. You've had an opportunity to have an audience with somebody who's like a, you know, an early pioneer in what we're interested in. And they tell you a story and you're like, God damn, that's not what I thought any of this was going to be. That's not what I thought anything was like, but the only documentation that's out there that's historical record is going to be the, um, the easy riders, the iron, the old iron horse, uh, the horse backstreet choppers, those types of those types of publications, and then you know when you peel back that curtain and realize that those were all don't take this. I don't want to besmirch what they did. I don't want to. I don't want to marginalize what they did because they did record a lot of what a lot of recorded history, right? Mm-hmm. But um, they controlled the information, right? They were the media For of sure. the day, so you're not going to hear a good. You're not going to hear a true Dick Allen story as much as you're going to hear a good Dick Allen story. You want to hear a true Dick Allen story, you go find somebody who knew Dick Allen. But if the people that – aside from guys like Steve Broyles, um, I don't know know Mondo at all. I've I've met him once, but I mean he's – that West Coast – that Midwest Coast thing that – there seems to be a strip across the country where they did it very different than California – very different than yeah. the Midwest and very different than the East. So you could really parse things out into into four categories. I mean, East Coast yep. had had its own you know its own little flavor. The Midwest kind of kind of borrowed and and stole from from different ideas and had a few of their own because a lot of engineering, a lot of quality engineering. That's what people from California don't seem to realize is a lot of quality engineering occurred in the Rust Belt. You had, I mean, well, the, the soft tail, the soft tail originated here by a couple in of Missouri, guys right, in their garage. In St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, that was made up by a handful of dudes, four dudes or whatever, and Harley bought it. You know, the D-rake, you know, the tall, you know, either stock rake or less than rake, less than stock rake, that got started here. You know, which you see a lot of those SoCal guys doing now. Right. And that most definitely came from here, you know. Um, that's not to get too, not to go off on a tangent here, but that's, you know, from so. Feel free. There's so many things here I want to talk about. You know, some of it stems from conversations you and i had 15 years ago some of it stems from a conversation we had last night on telephone right other stuff is just like things that i think about um it's so tough you said it last night you're like southern california is a tough nut to crack it is and it's like you know for me because i'm a chopper guy choppers are everywhere and i'll argue that choppers are just as much midwest as anywhere if not more okay credit where credit due but a lot happened in Southern California, man. A lot happened. So much. But, dude, the clubs that were around where I'm from, the clubs that are around where you're from, yep. those dudes were riding choppers, man. It wasn't an FL. It wasn't a uh, an FX or an FXR later on. Man, those dudes were riding choppers year-round and riding them hard, man, yeah. in packs. And, you know, so for me, to the chopper thing's been easy because it's nationwide. And, like, now that – for me, dude, I catch a little bit of flack from the diehard chopper guys, you know, saying I jump ship or whatever to get up, which I haven't. I still make chopper parts. I still build choppers. I still own choppers. I still ride choppers. Dude, an FXR to me is a chopper. Of course, the frame geometry hasn't been altered, but a good FXR, there's nothing on there that doesn't really make it. Yeah, Everything on that bike makes it either go faster, corner better, stop better, you know, the whole Jesse James thing, which yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. bring his name yeah. up very often, but, you know, if it doesn't make it stop or go fast, it's not on the bike. A good FXR, in my mind, is that way. You know, maybe some kind of a 
decent fairing <clears throat> if you're putting some miles on. The two, it's a hot rod, man. That's okay. So that's the right word to use. It's a yeah, hot rod. A I was just gonna a say, rod, it's a hot rod, rod, a muscle rod. car. I'm I mean, dying if it's done right. It's a hot rod. I'm not gonna get into the bagger thing. Um, I'll leave that for the bagger guys because it's a fight I'm not gonna win, and it's a fight that they're not gonna win. They're not gonna, put, <laughs> you know, but what they mean? don't put up a fight anymore. They yeah, don't. They don't even put up a fight. No, it's like, dude, that's a whole different thing. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Sure. But it has been tough to crack into a little bit of that market. But dude, I bet. 80% of my packages right now, right now, and I'm shipping 10 or 20 packages a day. 80% of them are 70% of them are going to California. Right. You know, it's yeah. You know, so you can't be, you know, so I try to fix a problem with my parts. I'm not just making a part to make it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to make it super gaudy and expensive and flashy just to sell it to you. I want it to have some legitimate purpose. Right. I want it to look better and perform better than stock. So people are seeing that. And, you know, like a lot of my best products are stuff that fix problems that have been inherent to, you know, older bikes. Um, well, that's how this thing got started. On it. That's, it, that's how this, that? that's the meat. That's the nut and bolts or the, or yeah. the, the foundation that this yep. house is built on. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, something pretty is fine until it falls off or causes another right. problem. You know what I mean? Yep. Each action has an equal and opposite reaction. So building something Absolutely. to not break. And I is, think that that paramount. stuff has staying power. You know, like what is it? The Broyles made those uh, the anti rattlers for four. Made the anti rattlers. Yep. He that, made those what thirty years ago? Maybe he did. He made the, the oversized soft tail pivot pin thirty, you know, twenty years ago. How about the swing arm bolt? The self tapping swing what I'm arm talk- bolt. Okay, That's what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. About. I'm sorry. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you for, made for them like a fucking, thou over. Yeah, for another four, like for two four thou speed. over or something for yeah. For, for four, yeah, I mean that's brilliant. He's he's getting paid on those every time one sells. Mm-hmm. You know, so that stuff has staying power. So when people say California is a tough nut to crack, with a few exceptions, a few particular exceptions, which are you know it's not here or there, but I've felt like I've been met with open arms by the shops and the builders and the, the folks out there. Man, they've been fucking awesome. Like. Steve from Speed King is just, he's absolutely a killer guy. Like, there's a whole bunch of guys from, from California, and, you know, Phoenix is kind of the new California. Yeah, there's an exodus, Dude, right? With, yeah. I'm tight with Tony from Ramjet. I'm tight with Big Chris from uh, FXR Division. Like, they don't give a fuck where I'm at. No. They love the parts. I give them a fair price. They sell them. Dude, they're just, and they're awesome dudes. You know, I think a lot, it's, we're getting to a point where, Aside from maybe some, there is some fluff. There's always going to be the bullshit. But all of us that I'd call lifers at this point, right. we're all cut from the same cloth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, why are you going to fuck with a guy? Why are you going to look down your nose at anybody? It's pointless. Um, well, you you, you know, know, there's there's a fucking ebb and a flow to this thing that goes on where we've all had the little peaks and valleys and that. And, man, you meet the same, you pass by the same motherfuckers on the way down that you do on the way up. So there's no sense in being yep. an asshole about anything. And you know what? I've, yeah. I've, I've, as long as you and I have been friends, I told you that I'm a fan first, right? So if you make a good part that I like, I want to use your part. I'm not going to try to fucking yeah. abscond with your idea and try to make it myself. That That's doing, to me, that's, that's not working smart. That's working hard. And you're not, yeah. the, the pay, there's no payoff there. It's, no. it's, it's, uh, that's ill gotten gains. It's, and it's pointless. Yeah. Just right. support your friends, support the people that yeah. you like. And, uh, and, and if you get an innovative idea, try to put it to put it to put it into play. And if you can't, 
then start asking people because if you don't fuck your friends and you have friends that are innovative and you come up with an idea and yeah. you don't have the means to get it done, one or two conversations with somebody who has some more means than you or another set of eyes or another set of ears or another set of hands on a project, you might have something, you know, you might mm-hmm. have something marketable. Right. You've got some resources yeah. essentially. So you said something last night, you said we're reaching a point where guys like me, you know, like a, a small to medium sized manufacturer doesn't need guys like yourself. And I don't know that that could be more untrue. I think we need guys like you right now more than anyone, more than any time. So I'm probably, you know, never say never. I'm probably never going to be in any of the big catalogs because I take a different stance to my parts line. Everything is American made. And I've got, I've got something I want to add on to that just to, just to, just to put a pin in it that why would you get in bed with somebody who's going to tell you what your margins are going to be? And why are you going to get in bed with somebody that's going to, they're basically taking your idea and your money and offering you distribution when you don't need it. That's what, that's what I mean when I say you don't need me is because you don't, you're doing just fine and people are finding out about you and you're making, I'd rather you make the money than drag. I can say that. I don't give a shit what they think. And so, and at the same time though, I do need you because let's just say just bullshit numbers. I've got 10 Instagram followers, right? Right. I got 10 people across the country that are watching me across the world. And then you've got Joe blows chopper shop that he's got a hundred people following him while well, his shit's made overseas. His prices are better than mine from the picture. You can't tell that it's any different from my product. Right. And he's got the cool, you know, guys doing wheelies and guys doing burnouts. And he's got all the stuff that creates followers. Well, the quality customers that go to a shop like yours, where they want real performance and they want real longevity out of their motorcycle. If you walk in there and you're like, well, I really like Joe blow chopper shop parts. And I want to buy this, this, and this. And you go, well, well, hang on a second. Number one, that stuff's not going to stand up to the abuse like Paul's does. It's not going right. to last as long. It's not the same quality. The, the coatings aren't the same. The fit and finish isn't the same. That's why I think today I need guys like yourself just as much, maybe not only in your store, but also on your social media. Because, you know, dude, love it or hate it, social media is here to stay in yep. some form, whatever it takes on next. You know, there's a new app every week that we're supposed to download and start using. But, <clears throat> whatever form it is, it's here to stay. So whether I'm saying I need you now more than ever in your shop or on your telephone, I do because it's a tough battle for me, man. And that's one thing that I do fight with some of the guys in California or I shouldn't say in California because it's definitely not limited to California. There's just a lot of my competition is really big money, really big margins. And that's tough for a guy like myself that's been, dude, I'm grassroots. You know, yeah. dude, you've been to my house. You stay like, you know how it is. I'm as grassroots as you are. I'm as grassroots as Bill Dodge is. Dude, we're just, we're, we're, we're gearheads that are so fortunate to have strung together a number of years where we've been able to keep our heads above water to get kids through school, yeah. keep kids alive <laughs> through their teenage years, um, keep the business going at the same time and, you know, keep a good name for ourselves and it's it's a tough battle, man. The 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 foreign manufacturer, and that's something I'm never going to sway on. So why I'm saying that is, for for one of the big catalogs, say Paul, I want to offer you a hundred dollar part in every bike shop in the country, every dealership in the country. 
well, cool. It's, it sells retail for a hundred bucks. And they're like, well, we, we're going to give you $33. Well, dude, come Fuck on. off. How does dude, there's only one way to make that work. You get it made overseas or the prices are so obnoxiously expensive. It doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want my faithful followers. Like, dude, I have, I've got followers that I've had since before social media, since jockey journals, since the horse back talk board, guys that I've met from there that I call friend. Now I've got their cell phone. They've got my cell phone. They've been to my house. I'll put out a part or a t-shirt and they may not even need it, but they'll buy it because they're so loyal. So those people that follow me on social media that have been doing that for so many years, I can't go and sell them a hundred dollar part for $200 just so I can cut in some fucking catalog for nothing. Well, and not only that, you know, but and you also can't just fucking job it out to some fucking asshole that's not going to – no one is going to take care of your shit like you're going to take care of your shit. Well, so, you know, that being said, I've reached a major growing – a major point in my business where I have had to choose – I used to be the guy that everybody came to for machine work, and we've gotten so busy that I've actually had to start – getting some help from local guys and from some people i'm talking I'm about more help from people i'm talking about hiring some fucking sweatshop type of thing i'm not no, talking definitely about, not you know, no. like i'm used, i don't know yeah. if you know will from faith forgotten yeah, yeah I know. and uh yeah dude big will <clears throat> dude i met him 11 years ago maybe 12 years ago he nobody knew who he was i didn't know who he was he showed up my house to buy a bike for me to build a bike and he knew who i was and this and that Stayed at the place, got to be great friends with him, and watched him just turn into quite, dude. I mean, technically, he is the most accomplished craftsman. Technically, the right. most accomplished craftsman I've ever met in or around the motorcycle business. The dude can shape metal better than anybody. And when I say anybody, I'm talking anybody. You've seen the titanium gas tank he built, right? I did not. And I know so, the titanium is almost impossible to work with. Well, the other big sheet metal guy that everybody considers the man right. said that can't be done. And Will's like, well, it's sitting right there next to you, all polished up. Complete. And it's not a like it's not a square gas tank. It's all nothing but radius and contours. And I mean, it's badass. The dude, it, so he does that. He does the best looking frames on the market. Now he's got CNC equipment. He's got a dyno room. He Like the dude's nuts. He can't. Anything he touched, and I shouldn't be telling this because then everybody's going to start going to him for machine work and it's going to push my machine work back, which I don't want, <laughs> but he deserves it, man. He's, and he's a good dude. He's a genius. Um, he's a great guy. So I'm, I'm happy to share, you know, I've been doing machine work for that dude for years and I'm like, Hey dude, you got CNC machines, huh? You want to start making some parts for me? Cause I need, I got a lot of overflow. So I am farming some stuff out, but it's super high quality people. Justin at revolution CNC. He's another guy that I'm using. He's making my fork braces right now. <clears throat> um, uh, you know Justin. He's a he's just an awesome dude. Been yeah. around it for a while. I only meant that. I only meant that. There's you know I, you're not going to sell out and, and go overseas. That's all I, I was saying. No, with that, never. You know? Dude, yeah. look, look, man. I I got in a uh, I got in a box of set screws today for my axle adjuster kits. There's only one company in America that makes them. I pay over four dollars a piece for those set screws. So when you look at my parts and you're like, fuck, man, why is a set of axle adjusters $185? It's like, we got two set screws in there. That's eight bucks. Right. When I could go to McMaster Car or something and get them made from China or wherever for probably 60 cents. 
that's part of the thing too. That McMaster car book is almost impossible to hold in your hands, but it's when, when our dads were kids or when our dads were, you know, young men, yeah, that McMaster car book had, didn't have any garbage in it. You know what I mean? And you can still find a lot of good stuff in there actually. Sure. But the book doesn't need to be this big. No, but the websites, yeah. the website fits on any computer screen. <laughs> I don't yeah, even I look know. at the book anymore. Really? I still want to see, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bird in the hand guy, dude. I still, I miss dude. magazines. I miss fucking, I hate looking at a, I hate looking at a computer for, for, I mean, you know, I even go to the PDF that when you click it, it makes the noise of the page turning, you know, on yeah, the, yeah, the drag yeah. fat book, just to, just to fucking trick me. And I'm just, I, I want something in, I want to, I, I write notes in my drag book. I'm a, but I'm a parts guy. I mean, like where you're yeah. a manufacturer, I've always been a parts guy. I started when I was 17 years old at Ram Charters. Then I went to super shops and Livernoy Motorsports and then got into the bike business. So I like the parts counter. That's my, that's my space where. Well, for the for know, motorcycle parts, I use the catalogs, but McMaster car, they're NMSC and some of the other ones, yeah. their websites are so great with their drop down menus and like. MSC, you can actually choose made in USA. Like you can click that box, so it, it parses out all the junk. Good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, like the McMaster car book came a couple weeks ago, and I got it at my post office box, and I just tossed it right in the recycle bin right there. I didn't even bring it home. Right on. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even look at it. I just get it right on the website. But yeah, so I just that's probably my biggest hurdle right now is just the pricing and the distribution is a little bit of a bitch but social media definitely uh makes up for that dude you know we used to come up with a new part and then put out press releases and then you had to wait there's usually three months for most of the magazines and it was usually a month to two months for cycle source which you know cycle source goes to print pretty quick plus i you know i used to write for them and i was a tech editor and chris and i are friends so I could get stuff in there like last minute to where, you know, your press releases come out. But then best case scenario, it's still a month. And then, now, you know, so you someone's got to read the whole magazine machine, stuff. Polish it, put hardware in it. We'll see. Yep. What's that? I said, and then you had to wait for it to kind of like build a little bit of traction. I was just looking at an old magazine the other day when you brought that up and I didn't even think about it. You had a set of forward controls that were in <laughs> a fucking, uh. I think it was a cycle source buyer's guide. Remember he used to do that end of year buyer's guide yeah. deal. And I think you yep. had a frame in there and you had, uh, you had your, 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 your big twin frame. You had the frame with the loop that goes under it. Uh, that bike that you built that yeah, looks VL. like a flathead frame, but it's not, you know, yeah, I mean? we called the V hell. Yeah. The V hell instead of VL. Yep. And then, uh, and then you had your, your, your mid or your four controls that were in there. Probably had a springer in there or something too. Yeah, man. That do you build any of that shit anymore? What's that? Do you build any of that shit anymore? Nothing. None of it. <laughs> Dude, the only thing that we fabricate anymore is our uh, Pioneer Adventure bag system. So that's, you know, you take what looks like a BMW or a Triumph or a KTM side case. Right. And uh, it mounts onto a Dyna. We've got the FXR ones that will be coming out within a month or so. Nice. And then we're going to work on the new soft tails. We're going to make a kit for the new soft tails. So it's. The cases are made in Germany, and that's because nobody in America makes them. Well, if they do, I don't know about them, and they're not the quality. This is SW Motec, which is nicer than the BMW bags, nicer than the KTM offering. Completely waterproof. It's very utilitarian. You can get a lot of gear in there. You know, you can get a you can get a fold up rifle inside of them, and they're secure. You know, you can lock them down tight. It's really cool shit. 
but instead of just making brackets and then the bags are stuck on there forever it's all quick release you can get it all you can get the bags and the brackets off of there in like 30 seconds nice um, so all of that stuff we fabricate but other than that all we do now is machine work wow everything that we have is machined so yeah there's no more there's no more product going out the door that's actually fabricated um i found a long time ago fabricated parts are you lean too much on your employees for their interpretation of quality and where i i have had some absolutely top-notch employees um some of them stand out um and you've met them you've known them uh but still fabrication it's just there's too much left for interpretation whereas machine work if the part matches the print you know, if things were within spec, you know, your, your surface quality is what you're looking for. You can't really screw it up. You know what I mean? And it's, it, I just, and plus it's a lot more efficient. Like I, we're past the days of $4,000 frames. Like, you know, our buddy Darian, Yeah. <laughs> dude, like dude just oozed talent. He just oozed good ideas. But like, how long would it take Darian to build a frame? Uh, I, I it's can't not because Darian was slow. No. It was the, they were pretty I mean, intricate. It was, it was what? They were pretty intricate. His stuff that he did. You're talking yeah, you're talking about intricate. Jolly Roger, I mean, right? And he would get yeah, he would be like six thousand dollars for a frame, and it's like, well, to actually make decent money, you should you should have probably gotten about twelve grand for that frame. Those days are so far past us that I'm okay with that. You know, I'm just Huh? I'm okay oh, yeah. with that. I'm okay to leave. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever look at do you ever um do you ever look at old vintage easy rider magazine i mean just not for the oh yeah i got stacks of them yeah well so i i love looking in the back of those things right yeah and you see the little you see these little companies that you know didn't spend a bunch of money to advertise but they made stuff that you and i both if we we know what it looks like we know when we go to i, I don't know how you are when i go to a swap meet i'm looking for a couple things and i I move through those piles pretty fast, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's junk or something. And every time, every so often something catches my eye and it's all about what's that, you know, you start looking for identifying marks and that and trying to figure out what the hell it is because if it's kinky and it's old and I know what it is and it's quality and it's something I saw in the back of one of those books, I want it. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm not a hoarder, all day long. but I'd like to think I'm a collector of, of things that are meaningful and substantive and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's got that, that, that top shelf of like stuff that's not really for sale yet. Yeah. You know, those, the oddities and rarities. Yeah. I've got like some old, uh, disc break to, to star drum, you know, to star hub right. adapters and, um, like the old magnet, the you turn a, a panhead into a, an electronic or points ignition, you know, all that kind of stuff. I got a bunch of that old kind of, you know, just funky stuff from the sixties and seventies. Um, that I did the same thing, score them. At, well, a lot of them are gifts too. people are like, Hey man, I've had this kicking around. I'll never use it. You can have it. It's kind of like a little, uh, a keepsake basically. You would, uh, you but yeah, those, you know, what was crazy about looking at those little ads in the back of easy riders or any of those old magazines was looking at the price of stuff. Yep. Like it wanted Dick Allen Springer's, you know, a hundred bucks or his, you know, 
his two into one exhaust pipe for $75 or whatever it was. Right. It's already chrome plated, you know, with real chrome, not the chrome we have today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so cool, you know, and those poor people though, they, you know, there's probably not a certain, there's probably not a single um, a human being alive that no. chrome plated things <laughs> no. in the seventies, man. I, no, that stuff's so bad for you. <laughs> dude, the, the <laughs> good though. Chrome and bumper shop, the GM chrome and bumper shop yep. in Livonia, Michigan, that's gone and they still haven't built anything on it. I'm sure the chemical in the ground yeah. is so far they into probably the, can't. no, I don't yeah, think the they'll EPA ever be able won't to let them for a hundred years, hundred years. Everybody that's doing the yeah. EPA now has to die off before they're going to be allowed to do that. You know, spring right. and bumper. That's what it was called. GM spring and bumper. Yep. 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 My buddy's dad used to work there. They used to tell stories of, uh, they would load up a bunch of bumpers and they would take them down. They would, they would get them out the back they would take them in a trailer down to Muncie, and they'd swap them with guys who worked at the Muncie transmission plant for uh, M21s and M22s. They'd swap parts out, mm. and those guys would all just kind of psycho Billy Cadillac sell that shit. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I love it. I want to talk to you. The one thing I, there's, there, I, I did write some, some notes down while you were talking, and you because you, you touched on a couple things, and something that I don't think you're aware of because you brought up distributors, and you may already know this. Or you may have heard it, and you may not know how deep it goes, but I have a real problem. Uh, I feel like um, – I don't even know how to articulate this correctly and not sound like a jilted lover, but I think I have a legitimate bitch, and, and maybe you can – maybe maybe I'm way off base, and, and you can say, ah, man, you can't. But I have a problem that Tucker – that the mag group owns performance machine, Mustang seats – Progressive suspension. Uh, they own Performance Machine. Did I say it? Kuriakin. Yep. And then they also own JP Cycle, and yep. they own Tucker Rocky, Biker's Choice, Twin Power. The guy that's the product development guy at Twin Power is a very good friend of mine. You, you, I'm sure you know James Simonelli. Smart dude. Oh, yeah. Real sharp guy. Loves to drag race, all that stuff. I love that guy. I've been friends with him for not no, quite as long dude. as you and I have been friends, but I've, I've known him for a long time. I have a problem with I'm an I'm two and a half hours away from Daytona. I have customers that will drive two and a half hours to buy something from a company that's owned by a company that sells me all my parts that's cheaper than what I can sell it for. Or if well, I have to order a comp if I have to if you come in my shop today and I don't have what you want and I'm like I can get it for you tomorrow, it's ninety nine ninety nine. Um, and, and dude, it's on all kinds of shit. I'll be real. I'll just, I'll just put it out there on blast. Uh, last, uh, Monday, this, this Monday, a couple days ago, guy comes in, picks up his bike. We did cam chain tensioners, fueling oil pump, fueling plate, the whole deal. Like, you know, when we open something up, we do it, we do it right. So that it doesn't come yeah. back. Right. Um, yep. and, uh, he's like, Hey, I got a 92 Springer. The carburetor's fucked. I want a brand new carburetor. What one do you like? Now I'm not a Makuni guy. I'm an SNS carb guy though. That's the carburetor uh -huh. I like. So I'm like, right. we'll put an SNS on it. The kit's, uh, I don't know, 643 or something in drag. I go on a fucking JP Cycles and it's 583. SNS, like they're they're discounting SNS shit now. Yeah. And well, SNS so doesn't want to sell to me anymore. They want me to buy it from the distributor. I mean, they still will, but they'd rather I buy it from the distributor. They tell me that. Well, you get free shipping from your distributor too, and SNS will charge you shipping. So, like, even on an engine, you don't want to buy an engine from them. You want to buy it from drag. Yeah. You know, because you get free shipping, which to us, you know, saving that 160 bucks. That's that, 160 So, here's where the, so here's where it starts. 
So <clears throat> I've got a pretty tight dealer network. All of my dealers, I'd say half of my dealers you've heard of. Right. And then we've got some lower level guys and some guys overseas that sell our parts. Here's what I tell them. They're like, do you need me to send you this? You need me to send you references. You need to know my drag number. I'm like, nope. I'll take a look at your website. I'll take a look at your social media. If everything's, you know, if you're legit dudes, you're good. The only thing I ask is you maintain advertised retail prices. So the first problem here is SNS. If SNS knows JMP is advertising lower than retail and competing with you and me that have brick and mortar shops and overhead and employees and all that other shit, SNS needs to crack them for that. And every other retailer, every other you know vendor should do the same. Every other manufacturer. But so I end up being there. like a tattletale, fucking going and calling. I'm like, why do I got to do this? I shouldn't have police this. I'm a parts guy. You're aware of it? How can SNS not be aware of that? I, you know I, what I'm saying? I, okay, so here, let me give you this one. Do you have uh, Do you have the Midwest catalog in your shop? Yeah, I mean, you, you almost can't do business in Florida without it. There's so many, you know, really? yeah, I mean, dude, I'm, I, and I don't even care what people, I tell people all the time, I don't give a fuck how much money you got. I don't care if you got a lot or a little, you want to buy that fucking garbage and, and, you know, and I, I, I know you won't be happy with this, but I have a relationship with the guy named Don that works in Ultima, in the Ultima engine shop, because there's so many Ultima motors down here. There's so much shit that, I mean, well, so here's is. the deal. I'm in St. Louis. They're in St. Louis. Right. It's a St. Louis company, right? St. Right. Louis based, at least. I don't yep. know. Not only is half of their shit, well, 90% of their shit made overseas, they'll give my neighbor, who just has a garage, they'll give him a dealership. Yep. They'll give him a dealer number. Yep. So then, and so from day one, I haven't had them in my shop. And when V-Twin screwed over Fab Kevin 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't have... D twin in my shop. I threw the V twin catalog away, which they're ripping off everybody now. They ripped up ripped off Jeff Cochran a couple months ago or a month ago. Like, you know, it's just here's the thing, man. We're in a capitalist society and I'm a diehard capitalist. I love it. Yep. It's the way that it needs to be. The thing is, is we've got way too many lazy fucking capitalists now. Like people that are they're they're there's too many consumers that just don't give a shit. So if every Every bike shop across the country said, okay, V-Twin, you ripped off too many people. We're going to boycott it. We're not going to carry your mat- your catalog anymore. Capitalism works at that point. It does. But right now, capitalism is working. Like When you see the hippie kids in San Francisco and stuff bitching about capitalism and posting it from their iPhone while they're drinking a Starbucks, that whole cliche joke that everybody says these days. It's true. If all those people, if everybody would boycott and use capitalism because you have the choice. You have the choice to buy from V-Twin. Or you have the choice to buy from Fabricator Kevin. You can buy from Speed King Jeff Cochran, or you can buy from V-Twin. If you choose to buy the guy that made that swing arm, that came up with that swing arm, V-Twin won't sell it anymore, or V-Twin will sell, will will figure something else out to play by the rules properly. But the problem is, everybody's too lazy to do that. The problem is, people in America so much care now more about quantity than they do quality, that they go... Well, I'm not going to go give Fabricator Kevin $300 for his part and Speed King Jeff $1,000 for his part when I can give V-Twin $600 for both pieces. I That's the problem. I had a dude That's just the fucking D- problem. I had a dude DM me two days ago. I won't say who he is. It was somebody through Facebook or through Instagram. He's like, hey, do you happen to have one of these parts uh, around a uh, Fab Kevin part? And I'm like, oh, I don't. He's like, yeah, he goes, I, I really, I don't want to buy it from him to find out that it doesn't work. It's a, you know, Fab Kevin's got that, um, 
the arm for the the clutch release arm for like a yeah. rotary top. He's yeah. like, I don't want to buy that from Kevin and then you know and then have to return it. I thought, bitch, you're building a fucking shovel head with a rotary top. How about you fucking learn how to fix shit? How about you learn how to well, modify how about, stuff? It's how about Kevin? It's Kevin. It's no, Kevin. Yeah, it's gonna fucking work. Well, <laughs> if you know Kevin, you know it's gonna work, and you know it's gonna work longer than anything. And else you know what the sad part about it is? is? Kevin is such a nice guy. I love that guy to yeah. death. Yeah. That that he would take it back. That's the sad oh, he, part. He absolutely would. And he would probably pay the shipping on the way, but he would do everything and right. Modify it for the, the kids, is, send it back to It's going to work. It's going to work, and it's going to last longer than everything else on that bike. But I don't know, man. It's it's a good it's a good time to be in business doing what we're doing, but it's also a weird time because we're in this whole Amazon. I ordered this last night at ten ten thirty, and it's not here on Tuesday morning already. You know, like we're that weird thing where you got to ship same day now, and it's. For guys like myself, where inventory is expensive, that's kind of the growing pain I'm going through right now is it's, you know, I had a machine shop going where you really want to do lean manufacturing, you know, like when right. stuff is or you don't want to have a bunch of shit on the shelf, you know. And now in this with the motorcycle stuff, when you've got coatings involved and hardware from all over the place, like you really got to have a whole bunch of shit just sitting on the shelf so we can ship with no notice dude, it's so much money and inventory. Just, you know, you wouldn't take a whole bunch of hundred dollar bills and just stack them on the shelf. And that's what I've done. I've got just thousands upon thousands of dollars just sitting on the shelf, ready to ship. Right. And hoping that, you know, <laughs> hoping the economy stays strong and, and, yeah. uh, but, but I've, I've, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I say it all the time and Cody gets so mad at me, but I'm like, I, I'm almost looking for, I don't, I'm not, I'm not willing this into existence. I'm just making an anecdotal comment about it. I'm, <laughs> When the economy sucked, I didn't get tire kicked. Motherfucker came into right. my shop. He needed me. Right. I get fucking tire kicked and price matched and price shopped and told how much. I've had people, dude, I have had people in my fucking showroom hold a part up. How much How much is this? And I tell them, and they're like, on their fucking yeah. phone, and they're like, uh, Amazon has it for this much. I'm like, fucking buy it. Swipe left or swipe right. Buy it now. Yeah. That's my fuck. That part on the wall, that's mine. You want right. you want my fucking part? You're going to pay my fucking price. I had a guy today come in. This is funny. And, it, you know, I have, I honestly have uh, our shop. We work on everything here except for uh, Italian motorcycles. And we don't do any of the BMWs. But I've got, I do, I've got a guy that does side-by-sides and UTVs and ATVs. He's the best fucking metric mechanic I've ever seen hands down. But mm-hmm. I had a dude come in with this old Virago, and it's a it's in really good shape. It's it's this guy's baby or whatever, and he's telling me he's like the bill was fifteen hundred bucks, and I am all or nothing, dude. I don't fuck around. I don't want any comebacks. I don't want any bullshit, especially some old yeah. shitty fucking metric motorcycle. And the guy's like, "Well, it's fifteen hundred dollars. I don't. What can we not do?" I go, "There's not a single thing on this fucking receipt you cannot do and have us work on it." I go, "It's all or nothing. I'm an all or nothing guy. Yeah. I go, I'm not trying to be a fucking asshole." And this is exactly how I talked to him. I said, "I'm just telling you right now, there's absolutely no way for you to to even fucking ride this thing out of here. I, I'll we can push it outside right now if you're not going to do this, and you're going to pay the man the four hours for the diagnosis. If you know, and he's like, "Well, I just spent eight hundred dollars across the street at the other shop." I go. I don't know what to tell you. I go, that's like yeah. a fucking death in the family. I'm sorry for your loss, dude. I go, but right. I don't give a fuck. That doesn't have anything to do with yeah. me. That doesn't have anything. My bill, I sell squares a time. They're $80 a square. You need this many squares plus this much in parts. 
end of. Right. I'm not fucking. Right. I'm not gonna have the. Co- I'm not gonna have this conversation over and yep. over and over again. This is what it costs. Like you can be pissed for a minute when you leave out of here with a fifteen hundred dollar bill and a bike that runs for the next six years without a problem, or you can be eh, kind of ticked off. I spent eight hundred bucks and the bike breaks down next week, or find a new problem in a week and a half. Dude, it, like my buddy Trent out in Montana, he. <clears throat> I want to talk some about dude him. Came to him. What's that? I want to talk about him because he's very interesting. He just showed up on my radar in the last six months, and I, I I've got some questions <laughs> about him. That dude's fucking. He's, that is yeah, a renaissance man, dude. I that's a guy that I feel like you could call up and he would tell you not only how to fucking dispose of a body, but where and how that whole thing goes down. Just watching his posts, and he's a marine shit, right? You've really got to be on his good side for him to even answer the phone. But yeah, you're right. The, the, I'm, yeah, I'm speaking in yeah, hy- yeah, yeah, hyperbole. Know. You know what no, I mean? I like the no, guys. He would, yeah, no, that's Trent. Trent's one of the last few real good Americans. He's fucking as real as they come, man. That's but a, so Trent had a guy up in Montana a couple years ago, a year ago, year and a half ago. And it is his story to tell. If you ever have him on, maybe he'll tell you. He's so busy doing other shit that I don't even know if he'll do anything motorcycle related much anymore. But he, uh, dude came to him and said, how much to do this bike? And he said, X amount of dollars. And the guy's like, ah, all right, I'll let you know. So he goes, to the other guy. The other guy takes his money and just like gives him back the most cobbled together, nowhere near running, nowhere near safe, complete pile of shit. And then the guy comes back to Trent. Trent's like, I told you you'd come back to me. He's like, yeah, I know. Well, then it comes into this whole Trent makes it run and makes it run well. And the guy's pissed because he has a bill that's well, already gave the other guy 7,500 bucks. And I got to give you five grand. And Trent's like, I don't want to tell you, dude, you could have been into five grand the first time around. You know, like you went and you tried to save money and that's what you get. Yep. We've all been through it. I've been through it with bike builds. I've been through it with parts, you know, from, from day one, man. My well, favorite is when people this. bitch well, about how, how long. Well, yeah. it's 80 bucks. I, well, I don't turn my welder on for less than a hundred. I don't turn my welder right. on for less than a hundred. I'm not no. going to do it. I got to get it fucking geared up and everything. I'm not a welding shop. So if I'm going to well, do it. And what, so here's the deal. Like when we talk about when the guy holds up the part in your shop and he says, how much for this? And then he looks at Amazon and says, well, I can get it for half of that. You know, I don't know to what extent is it our, our duty to educate these guys on why there's a difference between retail and there's a difference between this fantasy world called Amazon. Yeah. But Amazon is not advice. Amazon sure that you get the torque wrench set right amazon's not going to make sure you put any c's on that axle when you install it they're not going to do that shit and then when you install it and you install it improperly and you run off the road and you crash and you get hurt amazon's gonna be like well you bought it after it left here that's all you you know like guys like yourself and myself we make sure that that stuff doesn't happen and so you're not just paying for that part or the manufacturer of that part or the distributor the distributorship of that part you're paying for i'm at year 17 i don't know where you're at you're probably right in that same man we started the same year we both started in 03 yeah so here we are seven so you're not paying for me to turn that welder on to weld for an hour you're paying for me the 17 years i've had that torch in my hand and the years prior to that before i even opened my business that i was welding that's what you're paying for you're paying for a couple seconds through every year that where we've gained the knowledge either with that tig torch with that CNC machine, with the torque wrench or the hand tools or whatever. So, you know, unfortunately, some of these guys, I get it. You got to pinch your panties. You got to try to stretch a buck, whatever the fucking word is. But 
they need to at some point go, well, I am standing in this, in this man's building in his showroom where he's carrying inventory. The heat's on, the air conditioning's on, the yep. lights are on. He's got people working. He's got computer systems and phone bills. People selling on Amazon don't have that. And you know how Amazon works? Most of that shit's drop shipped. Yeah. Most of those people and are when just you return shaving something, pennies. When you return something, you're fucking a guy like me. That's why I don't sell on Amazon. Because yeah. if I sell something on Amazon, I have to agree to take it back no matter what. Yep. So somebody could yep. fucking use it, send it back to me, and I fucking eat shit. So I don't do any of that. My favorite is, guys, I, I answer all, like, if you look at my Google reviews, they're actually kind of funny. <laughs> Because I use humor and fucking my economy of words, and I respond to every one of the negative ones. And I leave a fucking litany of things. I go through the whole thing. You came in. You said this. You did this. Da-da-da-da-da. You're wearing that. But I had a guy. They fucking want me to – in Florida, dude, they want you to mount used tires. I'm like, I don't mount used tires. And they're like, why not? This guy down the road, why the fuck are you here, man? Why are you here? I've had to tell people before. I'm like, you're either here for one or two reasons. Either you think I'm a fucking mark or, you know, you don't have any money. It's one way. Right. Like, are, you, are you really trying to trying to uh, price shop used tires being mounted for fuck's sake? Not only that, or they'll tell me Jesus. they'll come back. They come back to me for a second time. I'm like, why are you here? You know how this goes. I'm a fucking asshole. Once once we go once once I go to fucking asshole, I'm full asshole. And I'm full asshole. I'm no full asshole back. with you for the rest of the fucking time I deal with you. I got a guy whose yeah. bike's here right now. The guy, he, this guy has tire kicked me for five or six years. Well, I finally, I got. I'm, this is funny. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's fucking hilarious. You'll love it. So we have this new finance company where you come in as long as you got a fucking job. I'm like fucking like yeah. one step shy of rent a center. Deal. So yeah, dude, you know, right. I put my polyester fucking pants on and my fucking <laughs> yeah. tie that's only this big, but it's this fucking Wing wide. Tips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this dude comes in and he, this guy, he ain't never gonna listen to this anyways, but. The dude has been tire kicking me for years and years and years. He calls me. He's like, hey, he's been calling me for four weeks about putting a primary chain tension in his bike. And he finally gets it together. He's going to come in. And I'm like, dude, what the f- dude. The bike came here on a fucking trailer. It didn't get ridden in. I'm doing a safety inspection after I do the bars. The I'll text you the pictures when we get off. The fucking dude, the wheel bearing, it's a sealed wheel bearing on a 2010 soft tail. The fucking sealed wheel bearing, the seal's out. You can see all the wheel bearings are gone. The balls. The fucking pads are like paper thin and grinding into the, the, the calipers grinding into the rotor and the rotors about Ugh. fucking got about 30 fucking thousands off of each side. And I call him like, Hey man, how long have you been riding like that? And he goes, Oh God. He goes, what's this going to cost? I go, really doesn't fucking matter, does it? You don't have any money. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And, you know, I'm like, I do Chinese financing in this motherfucker. One lump sum. (laughs) Dude, I love it. That's so good. Let's, can we pause for just a second so I can get a refill? Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Okay, perfect.
I even used that little music bed fucking button again. <laughs> getting all that's awesome. Getting all classy. <laughs> so I'm getting I'm getting text message after text message of uh, you don't have to put this on the podcast. Right. But I'm dude. I'm legitimately growing a mullet. <clears throat> Are you really? Oh yeah. Like you can't tell, but like. Oh, that's great. Well, when yeah. I knew you, you had fucking pigtails at one time. Yeah, Remember long, when we went, long, when we went to hair, uh, what, the those... first time I cut my hair. Can't remember how old my daughter would have been, but she wanted to do the locks of love thing. My hair was long enough; I did it twice. Like I trimmed it, you know, like I cut like ten or twelve inches off, and then maybe a couple months later, I did it again, and it was still long enough I could barely get it into a ponytail. But uh, yeah, so my daughter's freaking out now because she doesn't want me to have a mullet, and I told her I went and got my hair cut and then sent her a picture, and she's just she's horrified. That's funny. How old's your daughter now? She's almost twenty, dude. Oh God. She's a freshman in college. I have one out of college now, and I've got one that's a junior in college. The one that's a junior in college works with me here every day. Yeah, that's awesome. So, How old are you now? Uh, I think we're the same age. I'll be 47 in May. I'll be 44 this year. Really? So I'm a little bit. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm a little bit younger. Uh, that, that, and my boy, my boy will be 18 in a couple months. Nice. And uh, he's done with school. And uh, he's working for a realtor. He's going to be, dude, my I, you probably don't remember him too. He, well, he was so young. I, remember. Well, I'm, I just saw him in Tennessee. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. So he's like, he's a cool kid, man. He's, uh, I think he's going to be an entrepreneur slash uh, inventor. He's got a lot of inventions and stuff. He's got a real technical mind, but he's doing real estate stuff. When he turns 18, he can get his real estate license. It's mm. funny, I was talking to a friend of mine that does personal development stuff. And my son's been doing this personal development stuff with Dave. Dave's the guy's name. And, uh, he's like, dude, your boy's a hustler. I'm like, yeah, I know. Dude, look, well, my kid was in high school before Silver he tongue, had his license right? or anything. What's that? Silver tongue. Yeah. Oh, just straight up hustler. Look, this kid had, this kid was buying tennis shoes and clothes and shit, all that Supreme stuff and everything. Right buying it cheap on, you know, Grailed or whatever these websites are and then taking it to his school or putting it on Snapchat and Instagram for the kids at his school and like tripling, quadrupling his money. Just dude. And then, so <laughs> it gets a little bit shadier. Of course, you got to give it up to that a little bit. You got to wait. Not right now. Dude, wait till he's done. So when he's look, done. Just tell so him, look, my boy, my buddy, this real good friend of mine, he was in Tennessee with us. Big Dave is his name. He's got a big beard and bald head. He's got Jim roots, old road King that Bill Dodge built. Okay. So Big Dave does this uh, personal development stuff. And this next level for my son is like $3,000. It's like a 90-day thing. It's expensive, right? And my son, he, you know, he just got done with school and just started this new job. He didn't have the money. So he gets a hold of Dave, the guy that runs the thing. And, and Dave also owns a construction company as well as a bunch of tattoo shops and all stuff. He goes, hey, he's like, I designed a new door. It's an invention. Dave's like, oh, really? I want to see it. And he's in. He, so my boy goes, you want to partner up with me or you just want to buy the idea? <laughs> just like that. Like, just straight. Like, Dave's like, dude, your son's a killer. He's like a total fucking hustler. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's almost like too much. And he's like, yeah, that's how my that's how my boy was going to pay for that course was he was going to sell him this idea on how to make this new kind of door or whatever. I don't even know what it is. I haven't seen it myself. I, this is the first I heard about it just today. And it's like, eh, maybe there is a little bit of hope for the younger generation, you know, like. Dude, both my kids I, I are killers. It. Both my kids are killers. Yeah. 
Shelby, well, uh, my dude, oldest. I'm super impressed with yeah. I'm super impressed with everything you've said about your kids. Yeah, Shelby is. Uh, when she was in high school, she wanted to work for Publix grocery stores, and the way to get in back then was you'd go be a bagger, and then Publix yeah. uh, Publix has this thing where you know they they kind of move you up through the ladders, through the ranks, right? And she's like, I don't I don't want to be a bagger. I don't want to be a cashier. And so she tried getting in through the the back door through internship while she was in college. Well, she couldn't get in. She interviewed and did all the personality test stuff and didn't do well. Well, so she gets her degree. She starts running this heating and cooling company for this guy. And uh, then she leaves there because that company's too small and goes to this company that does restoration. And, like, uh, you know, they board up your windows if uh, if uh, a tree goes through it. If you get a flood, they come over and they pull the carpet yeah. up with the blowers yeah. and they do all that Disaster shit. Disaster right? stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so she's running that whole company. And one of their clients, one of their vendors hires her to run their company and she's there. She gets married two weeks later after she gets married. This company um, lets her go. She comes. I'm like, fuck it. Come work here. You know, you're smart. You know how to run an office. Just in dude. She was here for like fucking six weeks. And I'm it's still like everything that she did is like spot on organized. She's got her shit. Dude, together. She so writes all awesome. these independent contracts. I just had her come in last week, and she wrote all my independent contractors uh, contracts for the guys. The uniform deal got the uniform company in here. All this, she did all the little back end stuff. She's really good at that. And uh, she gets this fucking call. She is the assistant to the vice president of Publix Corporation. There's like four vice, vice presidents. There's one for facilities and land, one for like food, one for dry goods, and one you know she's logistics oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. she's got 96 de- direct reports. One report she reports up to, and she just she schedules all of his shit, and that's it. Wow. And I told her, I'm like, please understand. I don't know how to. St- I can't stress this enough. This is the job you said you wanted. Don't leave. Don't take a lateral move over to another department. Stay where you're at because there's, I mean, we're, there's not really anywhere for her to go up. So she, you know, if yeah. you, you know what I mean? I'm like just, and public stock is worth a lot of money and they pay their, pay their employees in that. And then my younger daughter, she works here during the day and then uh, she'll have her finance degree pretty soon. Like every, this weekend and last weekend, she works for a company called Galen Rice, which is, uh, they provide all the talent for uh, North American auto shows. So she goes and works the Chrysler booth. So do you think she's going to stick around at your place? Yeah, she wants to, she wants to grow the business. Awesome. She's she's trying to get her dealer's license so she can go to the auction and buy four wheelers and side by sides yeah. and flip them. And I'm like, fuck, I to get your degree, good money, get your degree. I'll put you on the paperwork for the company, and I'll start. My goal is to have three or four businesses that make that pay me three or four hundred bucks a week, and I want to yeah. be able to go over and spend time in England and go time go down to the Keys yeah. and just chill out. You know what I mean? So right. that that's my, that's yeah, I my wish, deal. you know, there's a side of me that wishes my boy had taken more interest in the shop. Cause I don't know what the fuck to do with it. I'm 43. I feel like, especially this last six months, I'm just starting to hit my stride. I had a weird year last year. Not that you asked me any of this, but no, no, but <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about it because, uh, you and I have, you and I were real close for a long time. And then I moved down here. You had things going on in your personal life and your business life. And then, you know, that tornado hit and all that shit. And I was trying Dude, to I rebuild my whole life. I just got bogged down in life. And, you know, uh, I'm lucky to still be here business-wise. I'm lucky to still be here uh, sucking air-wise. You know, like, a lot's happened. Um, and, it, you know, I was kind of quiet, but I wasn't. You know, I had some of my best bike builds in that time period, you know, the last 10 years. 
but now my kids are grown and all of a sudden I'm like, fuck, I got free time. What am I going to do with my free time? I'm going right. to sit in front of the computer and draw parts and I'm going to sit in front of the bike lifting and come up with the ideas for new parts and prove them out and sit in front of the machine and make them, you know? So I'm really like, I almost kind of need to slow down a little bit because I'm like this week alone, I've come up with four or five new things and are already in production, you know? So that's exciting, <laughs> but you know, it's also stressful. Um, but getting back to my boy, like I kind of wish that I had had, I wish I don't, I don't, I wish that I had an outlet. I wish I had a direction for the place to go after I want to start slowing down or I'm at a point now where I want to ride a lot. I want right. to ride a lot. And in the wintertime, I want to get back to hunting and, uh, you know, it, it's my baby. So I don't want to see it left in the hands of anybody that has anything less than, you know, the best intentions in mind. So I'm hiring a buddy of mine. He worked for me previously. We've stayed really close friends ever since. Uh, he's coming back to work for me next month and he's super in tune with the performance end of it with the newer bikes and all that kind of stuff, which I know the FXRs pretty well. I know the Dinos a little bit. I don't know anything about the new soft tails and stuff. I don't know a, a damn thing about any of the bagger stuff. Um, so he's going to bridge a, a lot of that gap and he's going to start running the business for me. So I do have time to basically build motorcycles and design parts, develop engineer. and then, and get some time off, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and he may end up taking the business over someday, you know, if he shows me that that's the way it's going to go and Paul keeps getting a check and Paul still gets to have some input. It's perfect. You know what I mean? And, um, of course, my son's always got an open door if he ever wants to come back to it. I mean, my son is all about motorcycles. Like, he doesn't want to have a car or a truck. He wants to have a motorcycle. He, he'll ride that fucking motorcycle around the clock he, all year long. And it's like, no, dude, you need to have a decent vehicle in the wintertime because <laughs> yeah. my first year with my shop, I didn't have a vehicle. I just had that panhead. And that's not fun. And like, I, I ain't going to act like I'm tough, and I rode it every – because it's Missouri, dude. I don't get the same snow you got up in Detroit, but we get plenty of snow here, and it's cold as balls. And I had, like, a 22-mile ride to work every day. There's quite a few times where I was like, hey, man, you mind giving me a ride this morning? Or, you know, like, have my ex-wife take me, you know, who was, of course, my wife back then. Right. I wasn't calling an ex-wife to get a ride, but uh, <laughs> it, was never, it was never that bad. But – uh it's like, yeah, dude, it, the motorcycles are in his blood, but I think he's just got bigger things in the future for him. But it does put you in a weird spot where, you know, we're getting to that age where it's like, you got to start thinking about the next 10, 15, 20 years. What you like, it's not just, let's go to the Indian Larry block party and party our balls off. Let's not just go to the smoke out party, our balls off. It's like, I gotta be, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I got to start. There's no 401k for me. There's no, no pension. There's I no, tell like, people all the time. I'm you like, you're standing in it. You're standing if in my you I get a dime out of Social Security, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know. Dude, I, we're not going to get a penny. No, I. you know. Dude, we're not going to. The government, that's the shit. only thing the government can do is give money away that they don't have. But it, even if they gave us money, I don't think it would be worth a fuck anyways. But the, you It's know, not going to stretch. No. you t you. I will say this. Like, so we were friends. We were pre. We were friends pre-social uh, media. So I can remember my day for quite a long time was – Get off work at 6, 6.30, get in the car. You're an hour behind me. Call you up for my fucking 15-minute ride home. We'd bullshit, whatever, get home. That was social media, right? Like it was it was an equivalent. Yeah. It was the equivalent yeah. of sending a text. or And we didn't – I mean yeah. back then we didn't even have 
good phones that could text and shit. Like the, uh-uh. the pictures were clunky. They took forever to download. It was a lot of yep. back and forth. And we drove to your, I drove to your place like two or three times in a, in a two or three month period that one that in 07. And we went to shit in 07, you and I, you came and did our open house. Then we went to in, like six weeks later, we went to Indian Larry block party four weeks or six weeks later. We went to, I came through to your house, uh, going to, going to Jesse's and then, uh, or to your shop. And then two weeks later I came back for the Thanksgiving party. I mean, we, we yep. were in, and then we were, we were, did the limp Nick, limp Nicky lot together in 08. Yep. And so there was like yep. all this FaceTime and we did the, the B twin show like a couple weeks before that. So Thanksgiving, and then you and I both did Christmas with our families. And then in February, the V twin expo started and then we saw each other in March. So it was just like the cycle just kept repeating itself. Right. Well, I, it was last night was the first conversation that I've had with you in a long time where I could hear, I, I knew that there was something good going on and you were talking about like, dude, I've come up with like all, like four or five different things and I've got this and that. And then, and you were just like firing, dude. You were like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, that's fucking good to hear, man. I like hearing that. I like, I've, you know, I've, I've, yeah. I've been doing my thing. You've been doing your thing. You know, everybody's been doing their fucking thing. Um, it's hard to get FaceTime anymore. Right. I mean, right. like face to face go, I mean, we fuck our businesses are not, are not what they were 15 years ago when, when we were hanging out all the time no, where we could leave not. for a fucking so week and different. you know what I'm saying? I mean, going to Sturgis and yeah, hanging so out in 08 and all that shit, you know, I mean, those days you're right. You can't just go to the smoke out and fuck off for a week or a half a week right. or whatever it was, right. We have responsibility and you know, the hangovers are a lot longer and all that shit, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I miss that yeah. stuff, but I can, I, I'm glad we did it is what I'm kind of where I'm going with that. Like I can say, can we just take a minute? Can we just take a minute and remember how hungover Darren Williams was on the ride to the Indian Larry dude, Black party? Here's what I remember. We rendezvoused with you guys in, you guys had left Dayton. Toledo. Uh, Cleveland? It Toledo? It was around Cleveland. Cause we came down yeah. through Toledo. You guys came across 80, 90 yep. and then we met up with you. You had that sh- handshaker fucking F three fifty dually and you yep. had two bikes in the back and Darren had his head in a grocery bag and you were like, I've been fucking talking to myself the last fucking four hours or three hours or whatever, because this yep. asshole's like, yeah, you were, you yes. were bitter about that for a minute. He was, your truck smelled like vomit and he was, dude, yeah. he got jackhammered. Oh, he was such a mess. Dude, for a little dude, Pat, can party like a fucking rock star, dude. I don't know. I, I think he fakes a lot of it, to be honest with you, but we'll leave that for a different day. Dude, I used to give him so much shit about how he would fake it. So we wound up at an Easy Riders event in Sacramento in maybe 08 or 09. We're partying with Jay Allen. So it's not like we're drinking fucking Coronas and drinking whiskey. It's like yeah, dirty yeah. martinis. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, dude, I'm watching you tonight. Like I ain't taking this, you know, sticking your tongue in the bottle when you tilt the bottle up. I'm not doing the same where you throw the shot over your back. I'm watching you tonight. Dude, I got Pat so fucking drunk. He couldn't walk. We may have kidnapped somebody that night. May or may not. Kind of. May yeah, I mean it wasn't really necessarily kidnapping, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take I, I mean gonna... if you put yeah, you know what? It, we'll just not tell that story. Dude. But um it was all <laughs> It was all good fun. And, uh, yeah, so that was a good time. Yeah, no, but Pat's a lot of fun. Of course, he's good at doing that shit. 
I, he was in town for the cycle showcase a couple of weeks ago. And of course it got completely out of hand. I'm, I'm, and, uh, I'm, I'm pissed that I didn't go to that. And Randy's invited me to come. Dude, times it was the I... best one yet. Like not just dude, Randy, man, let me just talk about Randy for a minute. Talk about like the biggest teddy bear of a man. Like, you know, the dude's got the biggest heart for not just humans, but for dogs and animals. And just, he's just, he's the nicest fucking dude. Kindest most most genuine human being you could ever meet and he puts on this great show and i talked to it like he was he was so on cloud nine for this show because like just every year that show has had the same basic vibe as bill's show right and is so bill's show is special to me because it's bill bill and i go way back on dude me and bill go way back on levels that you don't know mm-hmm. that uh, nobody will ever know right. bill, go, bill and i go back on levels that are like shit I'll take to my grave. Right. Right. That's why Bill's show is special to me. Cause it's bill. Right. Randy's show is special to me. Cause it's in our backyard and St. Louis has been kind of an odd, odd duck for so many years. But then like all of a sudden there's Randy doing his show. <clears throat> there's Sean from Imperial house doing just some killer paint. There's Darren, you know, Darren's originally from St. Louis, even though he's in KC now and Darren, right doing just fucking mind blowing paint grimy from stripped down black sunshine, just a little ways North. I there's love so him. many, and like there's so cool. BJ from uh brick house builds. Who's not too far from me. There's all these really good fucking St. Louis or, you know, St. Louis area builders. So that, sh- that show has always been really close to my heart. Um, and Randy, you know, I've gotten to know Randy through that show. And he's just the kindest fucking coolest dude. And he puts his entire heart and soul into this show. And a couple days after the show, I talked to him and he's like, dude, I don't know if I should say this on air, but he's just like, he's like, I think we broke even this year. It's like this guy, this is like the seventh or eighth time he's put this show on and he's excited to break even. It's not like I'm excited to take home a suitcase full of cash. Like that one show that used to be in North Carolina used to do where they were taking home hundreds of thousands of dollars in briefcases. Yep. He's like, I'm, he's Trash excited to break even. That's how much this dude cares about it. And so he, when, you know, they throw around this term curated, Randy truly curates a show. It's not like this guy's cool. His shoes are cool. His hat's cool. And his beard is cool. Randy just looks at the motorcycle. He just wants a fine array of every kind of motorcycle. That's not just choppers. There's only a couple choppers in a show. There's only a couple of performance bikes in a show. There's only a bagger or two in the show. But then you've got a pea shooter board tracker bike. Then you've got some oddball BMW <clears throat> boxer style engine sidecar bike in the show. Then there's some weirdo Italian. It looks like half scooter, half touring bike, half from Morphodite, <laughs> just weird thing. That's Randy. It's just this eccentric, very cool gathering of motorcycles and motorcycle people. And then the show gets over and we all go over to pinup bowl and it really gets fun. So, um, dude, it was just the whole weekend was nothing but grins. Just everybody was grinning and having a good time and laughing. It was, dude, it was probably the best show I've ever, I could, I've probably said that quite a few times, but that's good. That means you know, that it measures up. Yeah. I mean, you know, but dude, that show, that show's a fucking killer. It's a, it's an absolute great show and he does a good job with it. 
The people are great. It's just like Bill's show. It's like a homecoming. Everybody loves everybody. Everybody's having a good time. It's just like a big family kind of deal. Right. It's good. I hope you can make it next year. I think he's going to have a permanent location starting with the next one. Um, no, I'll definitely be there. I've deal. already, I've already told, uh, I'm not doing any, I'm not going unless the V twin expo comes back to Cincinnati or something like that. I'm not doing any more trade shows like, like that. I, Dude, I'm with, man, I, you I've know how like these, the new guys, they don't out. get that. Like I was telling somebody the other day, well, I was telling Robert, the kid that's coming to work for me. I call him a kid. He's 30 something. I was telling Robert about the V twin trade show and how that party in the hotel bar, the night before the show, I'm like, it's like yep. this, but it's like 10 times as many people. Yep. But it wasn't, not everybody was close. You know, you'd see Arlen Ness walk through and then there was, you know, me and Pat and you and Darren, right. you know, it was like two different complete walks of life. Whereas Randy's show, it's all, we're all the same, you know, we're all the same bunch of people, but that V twin trade show, man, that talk about the death of a giant. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, and that's I how, mean- that died, and then Easy now Easy Riders is dead. You know, I was talking with somebody Nuts. the other day. I mean, you fucking, you know, Easy Riders is now owned by some French Canadians that want to turn it into an affliction style clothing company, and that's their catalog. And there's no tits in it. Yeah, it's, it's got like Norman GQ. Reedus on the yeah. fucking cover, and you know, it's it's. A, I was joking around the other day. I'm like, if I pay extra, can I get some tits? I mean, you know what I mean? Right. It shouldn't be called Easy Riders. It just shouldn't. No. It just shouldn't. shouldn't. I'm sorry. It just shouldn't. Um, you know, it's like when when Indy and Larry's bikes went up for sale a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if I should have an opinion, but I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, should have I mean, an opinion. There's a visceral I, response to that, right? And whatever that visceral response right. is, when you first hear it, you're like, oh, okay. I mean, that's that's what you're that's that's the reality that you live in. And there's nothing wrong with your opinion. There's nothing wrong with my opinion of it. My opinion of it is, is that they were probably sitting in somebody's fucking living room, his wife's or whatever. And well, they weren't being ridden. And I at this point, I don't think they should be ridden. That's my opinion of it. And she can do with them whatever, whatever she wants. I'm just glad that they didn't go to some fucking Yahoo that's going to take them apart and not respect them and not. fucking. You know what I mean? Dude. You know what I'm saying? Fucking murder that guy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, no, and I, I know where I they're going. I Bobby and, about it. You know, Bobby came to the show. I mean, you probably know Bobby. Yeah, I do. Speaking of great dudes and, and unique people, man, thank God there's only one Bobby Seeger because I don't know that the world could deal with more than one. And I mean that in a good way. Like, yeah. that dude is just. He's a broken toy. That's the only way I know how to yeah, describe him. He is. I mean, yeah, I, he is. I, 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 he and I are not good friends. Every time we've met, he's been kind to me. And every time we've met, I've been with somebody who's good friends with him, like NYC Danny D, uh, Fab Kevin is who introduced me yeah. to him. And I'm glad that I got introduced to someone like Bobby Seeger by Fab Kevin. You know what I mean? There's no fanboy out in, on, on yeah. that. It's like, hey, this is Jason. He's a friend right. of mine, blah, blah, blah. You know, right? But he's a broken toy. I mean, no one has been – I don't know anybody that's been through the shit that he's been through. And that guy is fucking Jeez, transparent. Dude. I've seen everything but his dick because he posts pictures. You know, he manscaped last week and yeah. fucking posts, you know, and I get it. It's humorous and that, but that's, that's right. He's a broken toy. That's, that's the only Bobby. way I know how to, how to describe it. Yeah. Dude, that fucking tornado hit me and I got 240 text messages that night. I think it was 241 text messages. Right. And I went through and I answered probably that night five of them. The phone was just, I mean, literally, when they say your phone's blowing up, it was burning a hole in my pocket to where I had to turn it off. Right. And I came home after, you know, however many hours of digging through it. And I lo- I sat and I just kind of 
thumb through real quick. And a couple of my close friends, obviously, they were out of town. I said something to them. And, I, and Bobby Seegers was one that I pulled up. I pulled up. And Bobby said, just give me the word and I'll be out there with my van and four dudes in a truck before the sun's up. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's a legit straight up dude. Like, you don't like all the people in the industry that get the credit. And so many of them are do that credit for being stand up people. That Bobby said really went above and beyond, man. That was just like, you know, obviously it stuck with me. It's been five years now. Right. And that, that one, that one text message I got not, that night was what stuck with me more than any of the others. I don't remember another text message from that night. The one I remember is Bobby saying, I'll be there by sunup with four dudes in my van. If you give me the word, I was like, dude, I appreciate it, but I think we got it. You know? Right. <clears throat> That's Bobby Seeger. You know, he might be a clown. Not he's not a clown. No, he I might don't... clown around on yeah. social media, but he, and he's definitely not a clown, dude. Bobby's as legit as they come. Like, <laughs> I feel like that yeah. guy. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah. I mean, uh, when did that happen on June fourteenth? Right in twenty fourteenth or fifteenth? Yeah, like, on June fourteenth. Uh, June fourteenth. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the text that I sent you, and you you had. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it was several days before you had gotten, been able to get through the, the mess over there and, and what had happened. It was probably four or five days. It was probably four or five days before I looked at any other text messages. I'm sure. I said, I remember coming after everything was pulled out of the rubble and dude, like I, on Rob's, Rob Boyce's, uh, crazy gentleman podcast, I spoke about this, but other than that, like the one year anniversary, I put up a very brief post. Yeah, I remember that. Other than that, I haven't said shit because I'm not going to dwell on it because no, and I don't nor like being you. a victim. Like some very, very, very kind people did a uh, a benefit fundraiser for me that October, for which I'm forever grateful. So many people donated gifts and people came from all over the place to, to be at the thing. And I'm grateful for that. But like I was just like, I got to get to work. I got to dig out. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I just want to put it behind me. That's why I don't even remember the date. So June 15th, June 13th, June 14th, somewhere in there. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it took me probably five or six days and I finally got everything dug out and I sat over there on my chair and I, I just, I sat down and I'm like, I got to answer all these messages. You know, Paul Cox texted me, uh, Cochran, Jeff Cochran texted me, you know, like people that I hadn't heard from in years sent me messages and, you know, like offered to help. And it was, it was amazing, man. And, you know, the locals around here really came out. It was a, it was very humbling and it definitely changed my, my outlook, you know, like a couple times tonight. And, and I, I wanted to talk about this anyway, a couple times tonight, we've even said how we get grouchy with the customers and shit. And I've gotten so grouchy with social media. I've taken like five and six weeks off from social media where I I'll delete Instagram and I don't even do Facebook. Like mm. I've got somebody that does Facebook for me, but right. I've deleted Instagram off of my, my phone for six weeks at a time. Like Darren Williams was putting out a milk carton with my face on it saying mm. missing and shit. Cause I just right. hadn't been around, you know, but dude, you know, we got to stop at some point and go, you know what? Some of these customers can be a little bit of a pain in the ass, but damn, I'm awful lucky to have every single one of them. Uh, yeah, every pe- I don't even know. I might have 14,000 people looking at me on Instagram. I'm lucky to have every fucking one of them, dude, because I can't guarantee you if I didn't have a business that I'd even be on Instagram. 
Like I like looking at the butts and I like looking at the titties and all that kind of dumb shit. But is it worth all this extra? I probably wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like I like looking at old cars and hot rods and dragsters and, you know, trucks and adventure bikes and mountains and shit. But I catch myself getting, I get, I, I get caught up in it. Sometimes I just get angry and, you know, and it's, it's immature. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hot button and what, and, and, you know, and I do have to dial it back a bit. But it, and it's a legitimate gripe. You have a legitimate gripe for that guy to put his phone up and go, Hey, it's on Amazon for 60 bucks. And it's like, well, you know, what's free me shoving that phone up your ass. Yep. And it can be here quicker than that fucking box gets here from Amazon. Trust me. Yep. But at the same moment, I'm awful lucky to have you walk into my shop and even consider spending money. with. That's me. the answer. You so I mean? that's what I try to dial it back. And so, I mean, we can circle back to that because it's so important. And, you know, the other thing is, is that so let's let's dial back from the Amazon and talk about guys that are just Internet only guys. Um the cost of admission into the business that you and I are – this is the smallest billion-dollar industry that I can name of, that I can think of, okay? You and I, within – I guarantee you within the phone that you have there on your table and the phone I have on my table, I think we could call just about everyone that owns a company in our business, okay? Everyone from – if I don't have Corey Ness's phone number, I've got Steve Watkins' phone number, and I could call him and get it. I got Jeff Zielinski. It's who one I know degree is, of separation. That's what I'm saying. So it's not six degrees. Yeah. It's one degree, right? No, Maybe right. three at the most. But I mean, there isn't there isn't a builder guy that I don't have their direct number. I mean, even guys I don't call. You know, I just end up having people's right. phone numbers because of one thing or the other, right? Um, the cost of admission is almost zero to be a fucking. It's not like when we came up. No, dude. I was talking about this on a podcast the other day. Hand to God, when I decided to get into this business. I took – you ever go – do you remember like prior to you being in, in the business and you'd go to a Harley shop and the, the grumpy guy behind the counter, you would ask him questions, but you were afraid to ask him a question because you didn't want to ask a stupid question. So you'd end up asking a rhetorical question to try to break the ice so that you felt better about right. talking to this guy. And this guy didn't want to fucking talk to you. He's got shit to do. That whole thing, that whole dynamic, that was real. Yeah. That really happened. Right. And so I worked my way up to have enough gumption to go into – when I decided I was going to business and my dad and I found a location and everything, I walked into Stevenson Cycle. Now, when I sold my bike to Warren a couple months ago, I found the – I had the, the the folder that had all my dad's shit in it. And I had all of the receipts from Stevenson Cycle that my dad had spent money at Steve's back in the – before I got in the business. That's super cool. Right? And then Warren was like, well, I, I want – you know, you know, Warren is. Warren wants yeah. – so Warren, you know – and I was okay with my dad's bike going to Warren because I know it's going to stay of course. the way it is. You know what I'm saying? Who's a better, who's there's a no, better keeper? There's no Warren. one that you know. There's no one that'll take care of it as well as him and make sure yeah. that it's right in that right. right? Um, and so <clears throat> I went into Steve and I I reintroduced myself and told him what I wanted to do. I asked him for permission, dude. I said I want to open a bike shop. I'm going to open it up in Plymouth. That's 15 miles from here. I don't. I'm going to build my own clientele. I'm going to learn my own lessons, all that stuff. And you know what Steve told me? Steve put his hand across the counter. He says, you know what? If you're going to do it right, I'll help you. And that guy has championed for me time and time yeah. and time again. And I said this on a podcast uh, that I did a little while ago. When I did something wrong, that guy was the first one to fucking call me and chew my ass out. When I I went after yep. – I was in church. I'm there with – with Karen and the girls and I'm at mass and my phone's blown up. My phone's blown up. My phone's blown up on a Sunday morning. I got to take the call. I excuse myself from the, from, from the service. I go out in the hallway and it's Steve 
and he is eating my ass out about something that I said in a magazine uh, that I, when I was talking, I'll tell you who it was about. I was fucking bagging on the Detroit brothers and I named their names mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's, he fucking chewed my ass out about that. He's like, it's in print. You've already said it. You haven't been around long enough to have an opinion. Like you can have an opinion, but you haven't put in enough time to where you can voice that opinion. If I don't think I should say it, I don't think you, I mean, he fucking boop, 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 just fucking let me have it. And I was yeah. like, okay, fine. I, I didn't give him any pushback. I didn't think it was good. But, you know, when, when my dad passed away, that was the first dude that called me. He was the first one yeah. to call me. He's like, hey, man, you know what? It's going to be okay. You need to keep going. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, I love that guy. Dude, Broyles is the dad you never wanted. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> he, 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 that's ex- and I love uh, that dude. Like, he his dude, he slept in my son's bed with my son's dog, you know, like, And when I see him, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker. I know every and time I, when he gets closer, I'm like, God, I got to hug him. I can't just shake his. Yeah. You know, I love the guy. Jesus. He, that dude's that guy's not a podcast. That guy's a whole series of podcasts all into himself. I know. You I'm, know, he this is the second time we've mentioned him. You yeah. know, like we mentioned his innovations earlier on. Yeah. And now we're mentioning him again. You know, uh, yeah, he's been he's got some sage advice. You know, he might have the most awkward delivery sometimes. Yeah. And, and not just awkward, but abrasive. He's very abrasive. Dude, you got to listen to him. You got to listen to him. You know, I know Deuce is working with him again now. Did you know that? Yeah, I was just there. I was just there in November. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, and when I – and listen, I'll tell you this because – Hey, dude, you know what? Steve's a gangster. I know. Don't fucking kid yourself. As nice as he is, that dude's a fucking gangster. Dude, I I grew up around around that 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 kind of dude, and you know Detroit bikers are different than other bikers. And Steve Steve ain't a fucking mountain of a man, but I can tell you, when I was a kid, yeah, I knew him before before you and I were in the motorcycle business, and I he was a, a mountain of a man, like the, the personality yeah. that came across, like right, you didn't cross that dude. And you know, my dad, nope. I one of the greatest pictures. I'll text it to you when we get off of here. I have a picture of my dad and Steve Broyles talking at an event. And I'm like a hundred feet away and I take this picture and it's one of my favorite pictures of my, of my whole life of my dad right. talking with Steve Royals at a motorcycle event. And th- you know, I don't yep. know what they were talking about cause they had history. Right. And my mom right. grew up in the same town as Steve Broyles, didn't know him in school, but knew who he was. You know what I mean? Like this is a right. larger than life character in, in my life. And, yep. and you know, so, yep. w- and when Evan and I split off, Steve immediately, I, I will tell you this. Steve offered, to, he says, you can come in here because you and Steve, you can have the company. How about that? Really? How about that? Yeah. He's like, you're moving. Impressive. You know, I mean, that says, I never, that's why I never question what that man says ever. Yeah. I don't, if he says it, it's the fact. He's the dad you never wanted. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. It's like, the law. It's like, because he tell he's, he loves you, but he's so rough with it. And it's like, motherfucker, every time he's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's always right. And uh, he's, you know what's funny is like. Do you realize how fortunate you and I are to have that, though? Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I was talking to my boy Robert that's coming to work for me today. And I was just talking about how it's so much different with, I don't want to say the podcast crowd, but kind of a little bit younger generation. You know, a lot of these Dyna and FXR guys. And how different it is because 
so many of those dudes don't know who Steve Broyles is. That's I have a list of guys that I was going to talk about. Randy Smith, Dick Allen, John Harmon, uh, Steve Broyles. Is Bobby Seeger? They they don't know who Bobby is. They don't know like there's. I mean, Gary Mulligan. Dude, Do you know who Gary Mulligan yeah, was? There's so fucking many of them, and we're very fortunate to be in this. We're in a weird spot because we're not the Arlen Fatland, Arlen Ness, Donnie Smith. We're not that era, and we're not this new era that's kind of you know really running the whole thing. We're in this weird kind of in between spot. We're in a good place, though. You were talking about that we show are. you were That's just at. So I was talking about, like, there's a class, right? And when I'm not talking about a class of people like upper class, middle class, lower class, what I'm talking about is, is there's there's graduating classes, right? So you go to 2000, yeah. 99, 2000, that's Billy, Jesse, Russell, Chica, you know? And yeah. then you yeah. go 0304. The TV guys. Yeah, 0304. That's you, me, um, Evan, uh, Brian from Pat. Sun- Pat, Pat's our age. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. we, we've been published. We've been, you know, there's record of us. Like if some, I'm, that's why yeah. I always say like, I don't give a fuck if who, if somebody wants to buy my shirt that doesn't know me, if somebody wants to buy my bike that doesn't know me, something like that. I've always said, I played at the back of the, you listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. I played at the back of the room. It means way more to right. me that I'm somewhere and right. Steve makes sure that he comes and sees me and I make sure that I go see Steve and then I make sure that I come see you and I make sure that and pay my respects to everybody. And that's right. That's what's going to keep this thing going. So when you said you were at that, you're at that St. Louis show and it felt like a hang. Well, it's because yeah. the you're, you're, you're with your classmen. You're with your classmen. Right. right? It's like a fucking 100%. high school reunion. Yeah. No one was trying to one up each other. No one was trying to upstage. There was nothing. There's none right. of that was going on. And if there was a younger guy in the room that wanted to be at that show, there's a reason why he wanted to be at that show. You know, the cost mm-hmm. of admission is almost zero to get into this business. Always kind of, it was always, it was always weird, but the cost of staying in this business is almost, it's almost unaffordable. Like you, you can't, it's your soul. You can't. Yeah, it takes everything. You can't. um, You can't. You're unemployable. I don't know if you know this or not. Dude, you're fucking saying everything I'm waiting to say. Everything you're saying, like when you you're like the cost of business, the cost to get into the business is zero. Let's let's talk about that for a second. What was it when we were that age? You know what? I You know how I got noticed? I started taking out ads in the horse magazine. $500 $500 a month and then $900 a month when I stepped up to, you know, Quarter was maybe three by four or something like yeah. that. It costs, right? Okay. You want to go to Sturgis and you want to set up the first year I set up in Sturgis was, I think, Oh seven, $7,000 to be on the lot at the full throttle saloon, seven grand, bro. Seven grand. I'm not going to Sturgis now unless it's either free or I'm getting paid. I'll go to Sturgis, but I'm not going to set up and be on the lot because dude, it ain't even worth it. It's, because I got social media in my hand now. I've got the fucking website, podcasts. I can get out to more people. Like, this will go out, and if we reach three, four, five thousand 5,000 people tonight with what we're talking about, that's as many people as I'll see in a half a week at Sturgis, or three days, two days at Sturgis. And they can go back free. and replay I'm, this. I'm in my living room this drinking re- whiskey, dude. Exactly. My dog is sitting right here next to me. I got yep. food on the other side of this wall. Uh, the sun ain't beating down on me and I'm not, there's no windstorm or hailstorm coming at me. Like this is as easy as it gets. Right. So it's definitely a whole different world. And this is substantive too. 
I mean, like this right. is, you know, this yeah. is a, this is, there's a, there's an ebb and flow to this conversation. We're both, no. we're both hitting the, hitting the marks with each other. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I get it. That's, that's why it takes your soul. Like when you say we're not employable, like I'm 43 years old, what fucking career am I going to go get at this point? Well, who are you going to work park for ranger. the first time someone tells I you to read at Walmart? Yeah. I can go back and drive a truck like I did when I was 21 years old. Oof. I can do that shit, but I'm not going to go get a job as an engineer. Cause I don't have the fucking degree. You know what I'm saying? I don't. What am I going to do? I got to make something of it. So well, the, these guys, you're, you're get also going to so work harder. Right you're going to work harder than what the next guy is because that's just that's yeah. what you, you're used to that. And I talk about the razor's edge all the time. Like if you're if you're a business owner, you but you what you have to learn and no one can teach you is that you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you're not uncomfortable. Yep. That means you're getting lazy, and so you need to get uncomfortable against. Because if you're fucking not riding that razor's edge most of the time, you're using up too much of the road. Yep. You're slowing Shit, yourself dude. down. Like every day is uncomfortable. It's still like I look at the numbers that I bring in now, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, where does this money go? Yeah, you know, it's like I should be a millionaire this month. Not that I'm making a million. No, no, a month, I know what you I, mean. You know, you, yeah, you want to feel yeah, like it. you're like, yeah. goddamn, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, but it's like. Yeah, but then I got to pay, you know, I got a 50,000 square foot fucking building that I got to pay insurance on. I got to pay, I got to keep the heat on. I got to keep the lights on. I, you know, I got to pay for this. I got to pay for that. I got employees. I got, it's like, oh, okay, well, it starts to get watered down real fast where there's not a whole lot left over at the end of the day. And that's why but, I'm not going to fucking be nice to a guy who's holding his phone up in Amazon. I mean, I'm, I'm a fucking 8,200 square foot shop. I'm, I'm as big of a bike shop as you can fucking have around here, dude. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, to circle all the way back to that, I get that. And I agree with that. But what that stupid storm that I hate to bring up again, I hate talking about. It. I absolutely fucking hate talking about it. Right. But what that event in my life did for me, it made me realize how fortunate I am to have so many people that, it, that either – if they know me on some kind of level, they believe in me or if they just are a fan, they appreciate what I've done. Or if they're a peer that maybe not, they don't know me that well. They just know how hard it is to do what we do. And then to get kicked in the balls, like I got kicked. And then, you know, fast forward three years, Bill got basically the same thing with his flood. Yep. You know, I'm awful fortunate to have every single one of those human beings. And for that reason, Dude, when we talked a couple moments ago about I shifted my whole thing from there's no fabricated parts anymore because I used to have a bad reputation. I'll tell you one reputation I've never had. I've never had a reputation for my parts breaking or being no, garbage. I, can, I wrote it my down on here been, that you always said you could drive good. your bike off a building and not break a frame. That's right. Like you can that was jump your, off that the was dock, your you can That was your quote. Right. I'll, drive, I'll ride this motherfucker off a building and the frame won't break. Absolutely. And so – but what I did have a reputation for is you call Paul and he'll say two to three weeks and it'll take four to six weeks. It'll take six to eight weeks. Okay. I never lied to you. My intentions were two to three weeks. Right. But dude, in our business, well, in your business, there's a domino effect, but your domino effect is usually easily remedied in my business, my side of the business in manufacturing. If one little thing is fucked up, it can really snowball fast. And then you're, you know, then your two to three weeks turns into five to six weeks. 
I had that reputation. So when this fucking tornado came along and I was like, look, I'm lucky to have all these customers that still love me, still love what we do. They still watch us. What I want to do is I want to start to have those things on the shelf and ready to ship the minute. That they, like, dude, I got a nice computer system now where like all the, it's all just fed through a system. I just hit the button. It spits out the printing label. All I got to do is put it in a box and it goes out same day, man. Like if it's not within 20, if it's not within six hours of you purchasing that it ships, it's within 24 hours. It's on its way to you. You know, I've got a couple things that, you know, here and there, you know, you can't keep everything in stock for fuck's no. sake. Cause I got a couple hundred part numbers, but most of it goes out same day. Well, I remember, like, you know talking. what? I want to make those people happy. Yeah. Dude. I answer my emails immediately. I'm one of the guys, like if I've got, 70 comments on an instagram post i answer personally every single one of them i started doing the instagram stories a lot more lately just putting up bullshit and like every single person sends a smiley face or the fire emoji or whatever i was if i don't personally say yeah i know man or yeah hey you rock i'll hit the i'll double tap it so it gets a light every single person that fucking messages me i give them a personal I at least personally respond. If it's not a personal response, I do respond. You know what I'm saying? It's because yeah. I appreciate every single one of these people. And um, I appreciate my customers too. I don't want to seem jilted. I just, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting it from both so right now on the do. retail side. I'm getting it from both ends. I'm getting it from my wholesalers. I'm getting Kiriakin calling me directly from the factory and saying that I, you know, buy from us. And I'm like, I'm already buying from you over here at Biker's Choice. Aren't you guys owned by the same company? I'm like, I'm not going to buy from you. I can get it in one day. And the guy at fucking Kiriakin goes, oh, well, if you buy it from me, I, I'm going to get it to you one day. I'm going to go take it out of their warehouse. I'm like, go fuck yourself, man. You're Now you're fucking – you're shitting where you eat. Yeah, dude, you're I, fucking I, your I guy that gets paid on the fuck I, – I like having a rep come in here because when I have an RGA, he handles it. When I have a problem inside, he handles it. That's yeah. his fucking job. He gets a percentage of what I buy, and they're right. fucking eating themselves. It's a snake eating its own tail, that company is. And they fucking, you know, they own Vance and Hines too. And they moved Vance yeah. and Hines out of Indianapolis and they threw him in the building with PM because PM's not making any fucking money. Supposedly that company's hemorrhaging money, but it's all wooden nickels, dude. They're is not even Roland's with them? Is Roland with them? Roland's wrapped into that. But, I, you know, here's what I want to have happen before. I Now they put the brands, I've heard, this is this is just, you know, I, I was with Super Shops when Super Shops went out of business, dude. We had 165 fucking stores. We owned Mallory. We owned Urson. We, own, we bought more BF Goodrich tires than anybody on the planet. If you Google Super Shops Edelbrock right now today, you'll see they took uh, Edelbrock almost out of completely out of fucking business. And Edelbrock's at the time was a good American Huge. company owned by fucking Vic Edelbrock Jr. Right. Right. And yep. they took that almost they owed him like a, a million and a half, two million dollars, which is a lot of fucking money in 1996 to a company like Edelbrock. Right. It might not be today. I don't know. But. I started seeing things happen. You know, I couldn't get parts from Tucker. Well, it was just like when I couldn't get parts from Super Shops. When I was working at Super Shops as a manager, and I couldn't get fucking Urson cams, and we own Urson cams. So we're buying the raw materials. We're making the camshafts. We're selling them at 165 stores, and we can't get those fucking parts. I, I'm not stupid, man. I remember shit like that. I've got a really good fucking memory, and I remember how, how that felt and how that looked and what it, what it was what is coming down the pipe like that. And I see Tucker Rocky doing the same thing when they filed bankruptcy three years ago. And then now they're kind of, they can't, here's something they did to me that was some fuckery. I have a fucking line of credit with drag and I have a line of credit with Tucker. I keep it at a thousand bucks. I could always come up with a G note. And all I use it for is if you come to me at fucking three o'clock in the afternoon and give me your credit card for a thousand dollar part and, and it costs me 700 and I can't, 
transfer the funds fast and what I just go ahead and order it and then I just pay the line of credit, yeah. right? Well, so in right. November we're trying to place this order. We're trying to place this order. We do it like three times, it won't go through. I call them like, what the fuck's the deal? Like, well, you don't have credit with us anymore. I'm like, since when? I'm like, so what they did is when you have a com- big company like that and they have credit to, let's say they have a thousand dealers and every dealer gets a thousand, thousand dollars, right? A thousand times a thousand is a million, right? And so they have a million dollars out. So what they were doing in November was they took everybody's credit back. They said, we won't give you any credit, but what we will give you is a $2,500 uh, spring dating order. Okay, you can order twenty five hundred dollars from us right now. So what does that do? It reduces their inventory before December thirty first, so they don't have to pay their personal property tax on the fucking Taxes, shit. Yeah. And it cooks their books. Now their 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 accounts receivable is still their accounts receivable goes up because yeah. all these dealers don't have credit out. They're just owed this money, so it allows them to fucking put them put everything up for sale. And I've I've basically heard that they're putting all the brands up for sale kind of on their own. They they stand on their own or die on their own. And I hope that. If PM doesn't stand on their own, I hope Roland Sands company or fucking family buys it back. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. And I'm just, I'm talking out my ass, but I'm, I, I've seen this, what this looks like before. I've seen it before. You know, it's not the first time in the fucking rodeo. There's a reason why you're fucking rescinding people's line of credit that they keep paying on a regular basis and only, we won't give you credit, but we'll give you all this shit. So we don't have it in our warehouses. We can ship it out, reduce how much we have. You know what I'm saying? So you can, it's basically well, the nice selling. thing. What I really love with these big companies is when they make that uh, policy change, yet they fail to let you know yeah. that the policy has changed. I submit the order like three times, them. like the computer's fucked up. Yeah. Right. And meanwhile, dude, when we were, when, when they had filed bankruptcy, we went to the Tucker V Twin show two years ago. Dude, the group of people that I was sitting with, they took us to Top Golf for dinner. We spent $5,000 between four tables. On appetizers and beer at Top Golf, five grand, and they didn't have any money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Dude, that that the, that ship has sailed. This, I'm going to take a break and get another refill real quick. It won't be long. Right on. Me too. Is that cool? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Sorry about that. We'll we'll, we'll no actually, worries, we, man. We got like uh, I try to keep. I was trying to do these things at like an hour, an hour and a half before, but they're, they're the good conversations go a little bit longer than that. So we'll, we'll probably wrap this up in fifteen minutes or something. But we can do this again anytime well, you want, dude. Dude, I tell you what, I've got a lot more I wanted to talk about. Do you want to just wrap it up here pretty quick and do another one? Yeah, when do you want to do another one? Fuck, I can do it tomorrow night, the night after, the night after, whatever, man. This is fun. Tomorrow night's uh, this weekend's Valentine. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. So. I wouldn't know. <laughs> God love you, but I was just going to say. AKA, uh, AKA, AKA, I wouldn't give a fuck. No, but, I get it. God love you for that. But no, we'll uh, go. Let's go a little bit. Well, what time is it right now? It's 8 o'clock, 8.60. So we'll go to 8.30 and see where it goes. Yeah. And, and, but I, yeah, there's some stuff I want to touch on. You know what? Here's So I think almost the whole episode could be where the fuck is everything going? And that's not just like I want to talk about. It. I want to know. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to ask you questions and get your pulse. I like. So I'm going out to California in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to do a podcast with Steve from Speed Kings. And I'm going to do one with Jeff. Um, and man, I want to pick those guys' brains. Jeff, dude, G. I'll tell you what, man. Have you worked on any of the new Indians? No, but I'm going to tell you right now. I want to buy a Challenger. I like them. Like I'm not a, a bagger guy by any stretch, but that bike, for I want some a bike. Reason, turns me on a little bit. Here's the deal. I just hired a new tech. 
I'm going to get him trained, get him doing what I need him to do. Cause I don't know if you know it or not, but my guy got killed back in November, November 2nd. My, uh, my, yeah. my V twin guy got killed. So yeah. he was, dude, I finally had two guys that were the two best guys that I'd ever worked with hands down straight up. I had a guy that I hired last, right. last fucking summer, this old dude. I thought, cool. I'm hiring this guy. He was at, he was at big dog long enough that they gave him a fucking rolly with the insignia on the back. You're 10 years at, at big dog. Damn. This guy, this guy supposedly knew a shit. He taught at MMI. He was supposed to be a, a fucking badass. He came in. His tool cart was a fucking mess. His toolbox is a fucking mess. But I thought, all right, this guy's an old dude. Perfect. He's in his 60s. And uh, I left the day I left for Sturgis. Uh, we drove to Texas to go to Cody's. I'm at Cody's house. My daughter calls me hysterical, dude. He fucking said, I'm going to go get my gun, and I'm going to fucking murder every one of you motherfuckers in here. My daughter, Shane, and Shannon. And uh, mm. I, I, I couldn't have that. So I happen, well, yeah. to, I happen to have a friend who's uh, the a lieutenant at the Polk County Sheriff's Office. I said, hey, I'm just letting you know this is going on. I'm not there. I can't, ha- I can't handle this from, from afar, like any different than over the phone. So my dude called me, the one that passed away, and he's, he's always carrying. He always has yeah. a fucking has heat on him. And so um, he told my daughter, he's like, just go home. I'll handle this. And I had the, I called the dude on the phone. I'm like, Hey man, what's the deal? He's like, "Ah, I'm fucking, you know, he went through the whole thing with me. I'm like, you can't say that. You can't, my kid's there. I can't have you doing that. You're going to have to fucking, you're going to have to check out. And so, but long story short, the dude honestly didn't know his ass from holding the ground. And I was just, I was blown away with that, that I was showing him how to fucking wrench on bikes. I'm like, where's, where's big dog now? Yeah, well, exactly. It's somebody else with with more money than you and me put together fucking bought them, and they're trying to repurpose everything. But I do want to talk Are about Are they really? Them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I just, yep, they're fucking back in business. I thought they went back to making lanterns and fucking sleeping bags. Uh, they do that overseas now. Little nine-year-olds sew their <laughs> yeah. fucking things. No shit. Dude, um, I do want to talk ab- ab- about that. I do want to do this again. I I need to do this again. And, and if you if you're willing to do this, man, I, I want to do it. But are you talking about Jeff G? You're gonna meet up with when you're yeah. out there. Okay. Yep. 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 He's the uh, he's the uh, the official like MC guy for for this show yeah. that we're doing. So, but I'm you know. Does the G stand for gangster? I've always wondered. No, it's it stands for I believe it's Gabriel. It was his dad's name. Gabriel or Gilbert, his dad, uh, it's an homage to his father. His father was paralyzed, uh, I believe, in a motorcycle accident, and he was for, forbidden really? to ever to ever have anything with two wheels except for a bicycle. I want to wow. go. Uh, do you know Jeff's moving to, to Phoenix, right? Yeah. At yep. least part-time. I want to yeah. see Jeff's BMX collection. You were a BMXer, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. When I was listening to him on one of the podcasts recently – he kept talking about how he was a BMX guy. And like, I lived in the country as everybody probably knows at this point, there wasn't no skateboarding. It was bicycles and trails and jumps and mm-hmm. bridges and, you know, sketchy shit on a bicycle. And I think my last quarter pipe is still sitting in my dad's barn at the house. I had, har- I had Haro painted on it with a skull and all that shit. You nice. know, like, yeah, I was definitely, a, definitely a bicycle guy. I had uh you know, I, I, I was, spon- I was a sponsored rider uh, yeah. back then. And, uh, I had Matt Hoffman flatland freestyle. I was, yeah, I wasn't worth a fucking yeah. ramp. I could do kick turns and shit, but I, and, uh, I had Matt Hoffman, Rick Moliterno, Ron Haro, Bob's brother, and, uh, Joe Gertola at my so house cool. for dinner. Really? Yeah. 
because uh, I met him when yeah, I was teaching hilarious. at Woodward. So I was teaching at Woodward Camp in uh, Pennsylvania when, when they came through, and I was like, hey, you guys are coming to my town in a couple weeks. Come over and have dinner. So I had like 360 kids out in front of my house on the sidewalk Dude, with the Haro van so with, the, with the quarter pipe that folded down off the back. You know that enclosed trailer yep. that had that fucking quarter pipe yep. built in it? Yeah, that was fucking cool shit. I just want to see you try to fit in that onesie like you used to. Oh, I don't yeah. have any of that shit no more. I've got some BMX bikes in though. I got a I got a mongoose in here. I got a red line over here in the corner. Dude, I'd love to get one again. My son was into it for a hot minute before I got well, before I got him a bigger dirt bike and then went like I got him another dirt bike and he's like, Yeah, fuck that pedal. Once you shit. let the fucking that smoke out of the bottle, it doesn't go back in usually. Well, see that's where my dad did me well as far as bicycles was he wasn't you want a dirt bike? Buy it yourself. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, my dad showed up okay, with an RM90. Okay, so I started saving money, and then I'm like, all right, well, I got 500 bucks. Guess what? I got a Haro Sport now. You yep. know, I don't yeah. have a dirt bike. I got a Haro Sport, you know? Yep. That's fucking Damn, great. man, I miss that shit. Like, I miss that probably more than about anything, uh, any material thing from childhood is the bicycles. Dude, I had two sure. of the bicycles. The, two of the bicycles I had are two of the most expensive freestyle frames you can get right now. I had, was sponsored by Revcore Factory. Do you remember CW? They had a logo. That yep. went to see. Well, they turned into Revcore, and I had a Rev. I rode factory Revcore, and I had their freestyler frame. I've only seen one in the whole time eBay's been around. And uh, I Ooh. after them, I rode for Ozone. And uh, there's oh, a, wow. there's a place in uh, in Australia that's making a new uh, like a new gen Ozone method frame. That's that's pretty fucking badass. So I do it's miss cool that. stuff, man. I could, dude. It's funny because I'll tell people. I'll get on that 20 inch bike and I'll still throw some tricks and, you know, bar spins and tail whips and shit. And they're like, so I quit riding when I was right before I turned 16. So I would have been six foot six, 185 pounds. <laughs> and now I'm eh, probably 175 pounds. And now I'm six foot six and 300 pounds, you know, and they're like, yeah, dude, whatever, you fat old fuck. Get on that bicycle and let's watch you taco the rim and, and eat shit. And I'll still, like, I haven't been on a bicycle in five years. And I'll still, I can still get out there and throw it. it, it like, when they say it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah, it's well, like riding a bicycle. You know what? I'm not going to throw it around, around like I used to. I'm not going to hit the ramp like I used to because guess what? My joints hurt now and I got a bad back and I'm fucking overweight. But You were yoked when I saw I, you in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I could use, I could probably lose 10 or 15 pounds. I'm, I'm trying to get in shape, man. It, dude, you know what? If I'd have worked out this hard when I was 22, I'd have been in the WWE in a heartbeat. Or my football <laughs> career would have went somewhere or one or the other. Right. I um, wouldn't change, I wouldn't change a fucking thing if it meant that I wouldn't be right where I'm sitting. I can honestly tell you that. I'm awful happy. Hey, man, my kids are healthy. Uh, my kids are happy as far as I can tell. I'm happy. I got a good dog. My parents are healthy. My parents are still happy. That's good. You know, man. I'm still tight with them. You know, what are you gonna do? No, you're like, lucky like, to still have your fucking old man, dude. Cherish that. Yeah. Yep. I do. As here's grouchy what, here, as he is, he's still my best friend. Here's what I'll tell you about your dad. And I don't know if I told you this when I saw you in Tennessee. And I'm not morose about it. I, I you know, I got to work with my dad almost fifteen years, almost every single day. So most men don't get to say that. Right. What, what surprised me when my dad died wasn't how much time it was, how much, what surprised me was how much time of every single day didn't involve him. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're driving to work and 
you know, because you're in, you know, you see something that would pique your dad's interest or mine, and you, your instinct is to pull that phone up, and you can't yeah. do that no more. And you're like, okay, my ride to work every day, I didn't have to talk to my dad. My ride home from work, yeah. I didn't have to talk to my dad. I didn't talk to my dad at night. There was really no reason to talk to my dad at night because I just talked to him all day. We were together eight, ten hours right. a day, right? So it was how much of my life didn't involve my dad that really surprised me. So, you know, when you're thinking, when, I don't know, my advice is to tell people to just call your dad, even if it's fucking 30 seconds and he's grumpy and whatever, just if I could hear my dad's voice one more time, but like a couple days before my dad died, my, I, uh, he FaceTimed me at the shop. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I just learned that you could screen record uh, on your, on your iPhone. And I recorded, I did a screen record of that, but I didn't do sound, which is cool. Cause he had a, it was, there was some stuff going on. But I have that videotape or that video that's of my awesome. dad and I interacting, and that's enough yeah, for me. Cool. You know what I mean? The last thing before my dad passed, he got to tell me he loved me. He got to give me a hug. Fuck, dude. You know, I got yeah. the fucking, I got the fucking, yeah. the bonus kit, you know? So, dude, we talked to so many people that have come from such tough backgrounds and su- such tough childhoods. I'm like, that sucks, dude. I can't relate. I had it good. Like we were not rich. Nope. We weren't even well. We weren't even, dude. We were barely financially secure. My yeah. mom and dad. At the end of the month, well, the first paycheck they had it so budgeted out. They had enough money that we would go out to eat at McDonald's. Yep. That the minute the paycheck, because my dad got paid once a month. The minute the paycheck hit, we got and my mom got paid every two weeks. When his paycheck hit, we got to go to McDonald's as a family. That was it. Yep. If you wanted something, you earn it and you buy it yourself and you better take care of it because I don't give a fuck if it breaks or you lose it or it gets stolen. That's you. We didn't do vacations. We went up north. We went to we went to the cottage to my grandparents' cottage up north. If you went to the beach, it was the beach that was the local mm-hmm. beach, you know, the local Clearwater Beach, whatever. It was fucking but you know what? Again, I wouldn't trade anything. I had an amazing childhood. No, no, it was amazing. And it taught me how to be a good dad. I should have taken more from my parents because I could have been better with money. Because I look at the things I have now, and like my old man, he sold his bike about the time my younger brother was born. He sold his. He had a chopper, and he sold it, and he didn't have another bike until maybe '04. I had a bike shop, but by the time he had another bike, and I remember you built your dad a bike. Yeah, I built him that panhead, and now he's got that. He's got his Dyna that I built, and then he's got a a, a BMW adventure bike, and. But that whole stretch where he was raising kids, I didn't do it like he did. Like, you know, I was a little bit more bratty, I guess. I was like, well, you know, my kids had a good childhood and we did a lot of great stuff. But I also had a few motorcycles and I had a hot rod here or a pickup truck there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I didn't take after my father as well as I could have. But at the same time, I'm an entrepreneur, a businessman, or whatever, so I've made my own way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've always um, been like, I can get, yeah, a, dude, I can get another one. My old man is. Uh, I, I call him, him the last great American hero because he really is. You know, he's a Vietnam vet. He, dude, I was talking to my mom the other day, and I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because I told one of his secrets. He hasn't opened up to my mom about Vietnam, and he's barely opened up to me. Right. He's super like he doesn't wear any of the hats or patches or now my dad didn't do, do any of that thing. shit. Yeah, he's dude. He was an airborne pathfinder in 1968. And if you know what an airborne pathfinder is, they were the they were the first in, last out. So like, 
you're going to set up a landing zone. He comes in with a chopper and he was a sergeant. So he had somebody, you know, he had a subordinate with him. They drop him in. The chopper's gone. So he's in the fucking bush with a chainsaw. He carried an M14. The other guy might have an M16 or a fucking shotgun, whatever. Probably a handful of grenades. And they would clear out the landing zone. Then they'd radio back. Hey, it's ready. Start bringing dudes in. You know, they'd clear out. They'd do a perimeter, this and that. And then they'd do their operation from there. My old man would go back to wherever the next thing was going on, next operation. Then when they go to shut that LZ down, they'd bring him and his buddy back in. And they'd they'd break that whole thing down. They'd start choppering everybody out. And the last two guys out were my old man and his and his subordinate. So the dude has been through it, right? Right. And the stories he's told me, the few of them he told me, he told me a bunch of them on his uh, 66th birthday. He's 72, almost 73 now. So six or seven years ago, he told me a handful of these stories, which would have been 45 years to the day from his 21st birthday, which I can't give his whole story away. But on his right. 21st birthday, there were some very monumental events that happened to him in Vietnam. And the fact that that dude... We thought he was grouchy. You know what I'm saying? But this was full-blown PTSD. Full-blown. Yep. Government yep. never said it happened. Government ain't giving you no help. The government ain't giving you any meds. There's no fucking VA assistance. There's nothing. The old man was like, well, this is my new reality. And I got these kids. And I got this beautiful wife. My mom's a saint. She's beautiful. The best woman ever to walk the earth, right? Awesome. And just, he's like, I got to make it work. You know what I'm saying? He didn't cry. He didn't piss, piss and moan. So that's why you get from me when I said when I talk about this fucking tornado. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. No, I get it. It happened. I don't want to lament. I gotta, I, and, and if I ever bring it up, I'm, and I don't want to lament with you. I'll tell you a funny story about my dad, like going back to the military thing. 